Maria supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. Yeah, there goes. The Blubbity Bar. Sending out good vibes. Change your pictures, change your life. I like the way we're like cooking up different slogans for how to have a better life. But yeah, yeah. I never, I never heard that before. But I think that's a good change your pictures, change your life. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grand America Show. We are going to be chatting with Albert Nuremberg a little bit later. Fun little chat. He tries to hypnotize us a little bit. He did. He did hypnotize us a little bit. We got a new studio set up that you guys can't see because we're not live streaming the intro, but hopefully the live stream next Wednesday when we're do the draw for our CAC raffle for the couple free people that get to come along. I'm sure a few have been anxiously awaiting that. So we should have a nice new pretty looking uh, stream when we do that. We'll see. Could still all fall apart. But uh, we got everyone's favorite podcaster here. Before we get into that, Graham, I am easily hypnotizable Dunlop. <laughs> How's it going, buddy? More so than you, I think, probably. Definitely. It seemed like it. Seems like you were more easily hypnotized. My eyes were stuck closed in this episode for a small amount of time. Yeah, this was one of the funner episodes we've done, really. I mean, it was very interactive. You know, we were trying the, the power poses, and if people want to kind of see uh, Albert and us, uh, there is a YouTube video of it, I guess. Wouldn't there be? There is a YouTube yeah. video of it, yeah. Like, I guess the one that we did live now is just going to be up on YouTube, so this will be coming out as an intro attached to the, the chat for all the podcast listeners out there. That's what we do for all the new people that have come aboard is we do a little intro where we get the listeners involved and we do some housekeeping and stuff like that, and then we get into the interview a little bit later. That's right. There's always, an, there's always you can always hit fast forward if your podcast player allows it. And if not, there's always a timestamp in the show notes. You'll click that stamp. If you're in YouTube, go into the notes, click that stamp, take you to the spot where you want to be, and you can skip all our lazy uh, one-star ramblings. Yeah, but it's a super... Uh, hey, that's where we'll book from no, now on. Call, you got to call it drowsy ramblings. Whoever's book it is, we'll put it there. Yeah, yeah. we uh, we really talk a lot about this, that, uh, that movie, You Are What You Act, as well, which was really fascinating. And we talk about power poses in here and faking it till you make it, and, and he's really shown that... You know, we put a lot of stuff together on how actors, like let's say, uh, you know, actors like Tom Cruise who do all these, his own stunts and his adventure stuff is actually like intervened and saved people and helped people out. And it's like a natural reaction, I think, to somebody that's been acting that way for so long. So we talk about how, you know, acting a certain way can help you be that way. Yeah, it's like uh, you get sort of trained for that situation of life saving. And then you're just ready to save lives again. Yeah, so it was a really fun chat. And he's a he's a laughologist and a hypnologist. is pretty pretty good, pretty funny. Absolutely, fellow Canadian, I believe. Yeah, another one. Yeah, it was great. Eh? Eh? Yeah, eh? I think check out his his uh, what is it? His TED Talk or his TEDx Talk had like eight or nine million views on it. It's worth checking out. And then, uh, I mean, when he does his little thing here, you probably don't want to be driving. If you watch the YouTube video, we were able to get the spinny thing going and all that stuff. So it was a fun, it was a fun one. Yeah. See if you get hypnotized, hypnotize you into supporting the show. 
<laughs> I mean, we got these people that support the show. They're like uh, next level. You know, they're like fantastic people. They allow us to pay the rent and do all this great stuff, like do live streams of videos and yeah. have our conference. And we're able to, we were able to give away a free spot to a supporter just because we have all these fantastic supporters. And we have all these great listeners. Thanks, that, Mike. Mike? Oh, yeah, that's right. Mike, shout out to Mike. Um, liberal Mike, as he used to be known. Uh, anyway. And then, I mean, over and above our supporters, we got all these fantastic listeners that allow us to to start booking these guests. Like we're having Graham Hancock on next week, and I mean, some of these guys they won't come on the show until you have a a decent amount of listeners. And thanks to you guys, we finally have that. We've kind of crossed that threshold where we got a, a whack of listeners, and you guys are telling people about the show, and it's we appreciate it. Now we just need to convince a couple of you to head over and join the One Percenter Club because I mean, these guys are next level. These guys are walking around on clouds. I mean, you support. You, I can't explain it. You start supporting some of the media that you enjoy, and it just makes you feel a little better inside. That's right. I mean, you've been supporting podcasts since for what a decade? Yeah, I have actually. Yeah, That's I probably right. donated my first podcast like eleven years ago, maybe. Which was it? Maybe, maybe Dan Carlin. Alt right adjacent. Dan Carlin. I wonder if Dan Carlin would have been considered alt right back then. No, he's never been considered that. He, that's why his show stopped after the Trump. Oh, that's election. right. Cause he was because worried he, was he might like, get, yeah. yeah. He was like, okay, enough of this. Like I'm I've done. been talking about change and I've been talking about an outsider coming in for so long when it happened. He's like, I'm done. He's out. Yeah. He's had enough of it. Yeah. Can't say I blame him. But his hardcore history show is still amazing. I haven't listened to any Dan Carlin in a while. It's been a little yeah. while. I've yeah. checked that out. Anyways, he was probably one of the first ones I supported. Stefan Molyneux way back maybe. Before, oh, he, before he fucking took he a hard also, right turn. <laughs> you know, it's not even that. So, I, I don't mean, even think it's a. I don't know what direction like that. It's no, just, it might yeah. not be a direction. I honestly think some of it was uh, capitaliz- capitalizing. And some of it might, I mean, it's tough to say. You go either way because there was definitely something to um, following the Trump train all the way to the pay bank. Yeah. You know, there's definitely a bunch of people that were able to cash in on the Trump train. Yeah. Talk, listen to, keep an eye open for upcoming episodes. We have one coming out with a philosophy guy where we kind of talk about that type of stuff, philosophy and cultural. Brendan Weber. Yeah. That's, that's a few weeks away. That'll probably come out yeah. two, three weeks. Um, of course we probably got a bunch, we got a bunch of new listeners that came over from the high wire and uh, places like that, the High Wire and the Conspiracy Farm, the farmers, we welcome any new farmers to the audience. And those conspiracy guys as well. Yeah, those conspiracy guys play the thing. We know we got some new listeners from the conspiracy Kissy guys. We got a couple emails. We got some new listeners from uh, all the tour and Randall's been doing, talking about the contact at the cabin event, which is um, officially sold out, I believe. There might be one master bedroom left, and that's it. So there might be one spot left. If not, there's still the raffle. So you, you got, explain like, that maybe to people? What it what just it, go to badcomic.com. Okay. Yeah, but it's it's you want it's to a getaway that. next month with Randall Carlson, a tour. If you like Randall Carlson and you want to meet us and do some hanging out and stuff down in Colorado, check out badcomic.com. Like I say, I think there's only one spot left, and it's an expensive one. I think it's a twelve hundred dollar uh, private bedroom. We're yeah. also raffling off the private bedroom on the next week's show Wednesday. Uh, live. So there's a couple tickets left. We're just going to sell tickets right till Wednesday. Um, so you have till about Wednesday at about 5 p.m. Eastern to email adam at $20 ticket. If you win the raffle, you get a private bedroom, $1,200 value for May 20th to 23rd in Colorado down in Pagosa Springs. 
And then also there's the the giveaway, right? There's the that's the raffle where we're only selling, you know, the amount of tickets of the cost of the thing. It's not yeah. like we're profiting off the raffle. So we're not profiting off the raffle. We're probably gonna lose money at the raffle the way it's headed right now, but that's okay. At least we got to get someone to the event for less than a thousand dollars. Yeah. So raffle, email adamrackerymerica.com. You do not have to be a supporter for that. If you are a supporter and you just wanna be in the draw, we do have another camp spot. Uh, it's a $500 value that we're just giving away to anyone who supports the show. So you just have to email adam at let them know you're a supporter and you're in that draw. Uh, I think there's about a hundred people in that one and the other one's only going to be 25 or 30. So my advice would be to do both, buy a raffle ticket and go in the other one. There you go. That's what I do. So badcomet.com, all the details, email adam at if you want to get in on either of the draws. 20 bucks. Can't go wrong. Tell you what, I'll give you three for 50. What do you got, buddy? Oh, well, we got lots of, uh, I don't know, some listener emails and stuff, some synchronicities from people. We love talking about that. I got a couple quotes to read. So whatever you want. The socials are still pretty convoluted. Let's not even let's get, not into, get that into that any right of now. that stuff. So let's just go, let's go right into the. Uh... Darren and Graham going deep. It's a profound UFO quote of the week. People aren't going to get the UFO reference. Yeah, I know. Or... We've got to get a new jingle. So you can probably just shut her down right but now. But this is a great a jingle. I know. UFO quote of the week. So it's no longer UFO quote, but we've got a couple books here that we're referencing. The Octopus of Global Control by Charlie Robinson and Mark Gober's An End to Upside Down Thinking, where I like to grab some... Lots of cool quotes from scientists and members of the deep state. So here's one. Darren's going to try and guess. Oh, he's not going to be able to get any of these ones. But Science knows surprisingly little about mind and consciousness. Current orthodoxy holds that consciousness is created by electrochemical reactions in the brain and that mental experiences fulfill some essential data processing function. However, nobody has any idea how a conjuries of biochemical reactions and electrical currents in the brain creates the subjective experience of pain, anger, or love. We have no explanation, and we had better be clear about that. I can't guess who that is. I have no fucking idea. Oh, I have no darn idea. That's Yuval Noah Harari, author of Sapiens and Homo Deus. Oh, I've tried to get a hold of him like three times. Really? Yeah, to get him on the show. He's impossible really? to get a hold of. Yeah. Wow. Really? So we got to get have known that guy. trying to get wow. verified on Twitter is a problem. Well, who cares? Let's try and not. No, to no, do no, that. no, 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 no. Hear me out. Just for that reason of being able to get a hold of these verified I, guys. I know, but no, oh, it's just. Anyway, yeah, I've tried to reach out to him a couple times. He just hasn't got back. We'll get him eventually. Harari, eh? That's his last name. He's got a couple books that I've seen that seem good. But then I, other people tell you he's a trilateral commission. Oh, really? Eh? That's okay. I mean, they can't all be. I mean, what if some of them are working from the inside? Are you in the trilateral commission? You know, what if I'm, what if I'm on the inside working, working the, the magic from there, you know? Somebody's got to be on the inside. Are you working magic? Somebody's got to be inside. Okay, here's another one. You ready? This is more... Okay, who, who said this? Oh, yeah, in the middle of something right now. You can't even hold off till the end of the podcast, eh? Put your phone down. No more phone allowed on the intros. I already put the bong away. I know. 
Let's let's you know. Whenever I want to bring in a new thing, it's like let's not do too many things at a time here. We gotta <laughs> this spread is, them out. This is uh, <laughs> this is from the chapter. Does this tinfoil hat make me look crazy? So who said this? Someone should actually take the time to send Graham in a nice tinfoil handcrafted, hat. like beautiful tinfoil hat. And can you at least shut <laughs> off your friggin' ringer when you come in the studio? <laughs> you know what? We should get a bowl. We should have a bowl here. We put our phones in, put the lid on when we're recording. That's not a bad idea. Mm -hmm. I could bring the singing bowl back in here. We can put it in the singing bowl. The thing is, I got a family, but I could always, I could, uh, I know, I tell Lisa just put something in the chats if something goes down. Yeah. Because exactly. I see that go by. What are you going to do? You get a tweet from Ben Greenfeld, you got to answer it. I feel yeah. like you should say, hey, thanks. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, especially if it happens right. Like, it just happened now? It just happened just now. Why don't you just say what it is then before I read this quote? Because, I mean, honestly, and I'm going to, I'm going to, in the meantime, I'm going to pull up something to read about that as well. Because we, Darren was talking about the high wire and the debate, and it's, it's so good to get positive feedback from people that just see the value in actually, you know, having a, um, a civil debate about, vaccine safety you know doesn't mean we're anti-vax or anything like that why can't we just fucking discuss it oops sorry trying not to swear there so anyway basically uh it's interesting because i actually just emailed or i just emailed ben ben's people yesterday to try and get him on the show again because i can't remember who we were talking about we were talking about a couple weeks ago how we were we were close to getting ben on and then he kind of blew up and I was just like, you know what? I'll just try and get him on anyway. I know Graham's a, Graham's a big Ben fan. Oh, yeah. You so said, well, that was my whole biohacking phase was following Ben. Yeah. So I said, you know what? He blowed up a little bit. I'll just try and I'll try anyway. So I actually, I shot him a, a DM and he, he responded within like an hour. And he was like, um, yeah, just uh, email me and we'll do it. And then I looked today and he had tweeted, thank you, Gramerica, for an actual sane, polite, and scientifically advised vaccine debate. Fantastic. Thanks, Ben, for that. I've got some comments. First, on first reply, you are brain dead. <laughs> what? First reply is someone saying that we're brain dead or he's brain dead. Yeah, that's the thing about the, the, the vaccine's and a loaded subject. Oh, it's very loaded, yeah. They won't right. listen to the bait. I mean, the other thing we should do as long as we're talking about it is we should, I did want to thank... Uh, Pat and Jeffrey over at the Conspiracy Farm again for uh, helping us out with that. And, of course, uh, Dell, Dell Bigtree over at the Highwire and Patrick over there. Those guys were nice enough to actually rebroadcast uh, the debate on their streams, which get hundreds of thousands of views. So it's just uh, – and, and they were super uh, – very supportive of both our show and the Conspiracy Farm when they rebroadcast. Yeah, so. and Pat and Jeff are doing a great job over there. Oh, amazing. It's fantastic. Fantastic podcast. So I got some Instagram comments on that too. Uh, Cultivating Kelly says, this was an wait, awesome- Wait, wait, wait. So this, this is from Cultivating Kelly. This was an awesome discussion that needs to be happening more often. Thank you so much for this. Also, I use, and a big, you know, hands up. Also, I use essential oil and was totally not offended by the, oh, I thought at first she said offended. I use essential oils and was totally not offended by the barber comments. Brenda. I think it's, Brent, yeah. 
Which is just, a, was that a generic thing? Gen- it's yeah, just yeah, a generic, yeah. yeah. I think it's so important the more hippieish people take a step back and let scientists and people knowledgeable on these topics like George and Dell work together and head up these issues. I mean, I'm a fan of essential oils too, but I kind of understand what he's saying so as well. It's there's not a, there's not a always a couple that, diffusers but. going in my house, and yeah. I do agree that they are greater. But I can see both sides of that. So here's the thing is you've got the thing is that the Brendas and the mothers are the people that have brought light to this issue. So if you don't have those people, you don't get to where we are today. Because right. those people have been getting called fucking crazy. Yeah, they're the ones for that are 10, standing 20, up and... 30 years, and they just keep doing it and doing it and doing it yeah. enough to get Dell. And and uh, I, I've been talking to Dr. Tony. Oh, I don't want to say her last name because I don't want to mess it up. Uh, crap. Well, I got another one here from Michelle Ham 13, and she says, many kudos to you for, for allowing this debate to take place and for not censoring it after the fact. So, you know, people are expecting censorship, you know, and that's not going to happen. We, we throw it out raw. We didn't, uh, you know, we don't edit any of that stuff. Tony Bark. Yeah. Dr. Tony Bark. Now have her on the show soon. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I think we're just, A, I think the debate thing is a big thing that seems to have caught on. So if we can keep doing healthy debates, I mean, I've even been talking to George uh, from the debate show who says, you know, I'd like to come on one day and do a show just about how we can't even have these conversations anymore without people getting triggered and calling names and you throwing babies out with bathwater and everything else. And I yeah. mean, we really need to take a step back on that. And that includes... Uh, that includes people on both sides of the fence. Yeah, totally. And one thing I will say is that the comments, you know, over over all the streams, as the Conspiracy Farm guys played it, we played it, it's on YouTube, it was on a couple Facebook pages, there's probably, you know, 20,000 comments now. And so overwhelmingly positive. To yeah. George, from George, to Dell, you know, it's it really shows you that the... Makes you wonder if all the name-calling and everything is just exasperated on social media. And how much of it is real or, I mean, I believe that there are probably bots, Russian bots, sowing dissent within the population. Not only Russian ones. I mean, all come on, don't of, lay that all on Russia. I mean, well, there's Russia, bots from, all, every, from all, all different countries, just hacker groups, just fucking assholes, you know, you name it, including CIA ones. But, uh, yeah, there, there's definitely, because, I mean, yeah, it's just, there's a lot of weirdness on the social media and you wonder if it's like that in real life. It's not like that in real life, for the most part. I think you'd have to like, I don't know, maybe if you, I wonder what it's like to go to a, a, a rally or something and see what it's like. Anyway, enough of that. Yeah. But we're going to do more debates. It was fun, and if we can keep them civil, we've had like four or five different topics sent in, and on debates that are going to be a lot easier to get people to debate and that are a lot less polarizing than vaccines. So I think if we can get people to have a civil discussion on vaccines, we can get people to have a civil discussion on anything. Okay, it's kind of, that's a good lead into my quote that I almost forgot about here. Conspiracy theorists of the world, believers in the hidden hands of the Rothschilds and the Masons and the Illuminati, we skeptics owe you an apology. You were right. The players may be a little different, but your basic premise is correct. The world is a rigged game. Now, the guy who said that is pretty mainstream. He's a mainstream journalist. Works for the Rolling Stone. Is he dead? No. I don't know. Matt Taibbi. Oh, I thought it might have been the guy who got crashed into the tree. No. Yeah, that that would have. Yeah, I forget his name again. Michael? 
Michael uh, Hastings. That's right, Michael Hastings. And yeah, it's a tough one. Uh, what else we got? So, Graham, okay, I could, well, I got an email here. Little little tiny uh, there you go ahead. synchronicity kind of thing. So, good day. I added the A because she said. Uh, I'm a rambling gram with synchronicities all over the web. And Aaron is skeptical about everyone and don't believe it yet. I hope this is a synchronicity. Some of these are pretty heavy. Anyways, good day, eh? This is, you know, I added the A because she said, uh, said hoser style, my Canadian friend. Nice. Good day. Can I do it? My, can I do it in my hoser accent? Sure. I just wanted to throw a quick feel-good story out there, synchro or sign, whatever you want to call it. Been getting a lot more spiritual lately, learning as much as I can. Find it comforts me for the hardships of life, acknowledging that sometimes they are blessings in disguise or lessons needed to be learned on this plane. For those fellow animal lovers, losing a pet is like losing a family member. I lost my great Pyrenees retriever cross, Tesla. Last fall, hit and run Ugh, was quick, thankfully, but painful just the same. I couldn't stop thinking about him and grieving. I had heard that the universe, guides or angels want to help you. All you need to do is ask. So driving my truck for work, I talked out loud. I asked for a bunch of things, one of them being a sign that Tesla was okay. I threw out a, uh, yeah, and uh, I'm a little dense to the subtleties, so make this really obvious. Thank you. The very next morning, I was driving my commute to work, flipping the radio stations as I usually do. I heard the DJ say, and now, signs by Tesla. <laughs> A big smile spread across my face. That message was for me. Thanks, Graham. Maybe that will help some soul out there hurting or and or grieving. There's a rainbow, rainbow bridge for the pets, and they are always with us, excited to meet us again. Also, the universe provides, but you need to ask. Penny. You know, some, I've, been, I've been talking to a couple, a buddy, friend, Chris, lately <laughs> that says that it's not even asking. It's all you, you got to watch your subconscious. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which, that, which really resonates with what Napoleon uh, Hill says in the, the Think and Grow Rich books back from the 30s in his, in his 16 Laws of Success is a lot of that is is you've got it that he's got an actual process of taking things from your conscious and, and planting them in your subconscious and he's like once you get into your subconscious that's when things start to pop you know how we had mark in the studio the other day for that that chat you mean ramfeck ramfeck yeah so he he's been doing the master key series for years Master and that's key. and I didn't realize that's super old. Like he's memorized a whole bunch of of principles and stuff from that, and and it's really really helped him. And Napoleon Hill, he Mark sent me a letter of Napoleon Hill to the author of the Master Key series. Said that he wouldn't have been able to do any of that without without learning the Master Key stuff. So that goes really? way back as well. Yeah, super interesting. So we also got. Uh, I'll read this one because it just came in while we're podcasting. Thank you so much for having the courage to present both sides of the vaccine controversy, a much-needed debate that is almost always presented one-sided in the media. Thank you, thank you, almost thank always? you. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, and hope you delve deeper into this subject. Delve deeper or delve? I'm just kidding. Delve deeper. <laughs> I get it. Nice. Oh, you just you just crack yourself up over there, don't you? <laughs> 
<laughs> anyway, yeah, nice feedback. It's always nice to get those. That's actually definitely like I mean between the comp, we just it's it's unbelievable the over, overwhelming bit of uh, good wishes and support we got just over a simple debate. I didn't even say anything, honestly. You know, like we just sit back and let other people talk, and it's just like giving them the platform to do it. Yeah. So we'll try and do more of it. I mean, honestly, the biggest problem we've had so far is finding people from the pro side. So here's the thing. I'm going to tell you guys this once. When someone comes on from the pro side, like George, whether it's vaccine, global warming, whatever it is, if you don't agree with them, whether you're pro, anti, I don't care. And I caught a couple of people doing this on the Facebook and I gave them shit. You got to be polite. Yeah. Including to George. If George comes on and everyone just tells George, calls him names and is ignorant, no one's going to come on again. So be polite. Yeah. Especially if you're on Grand America stuff, whether it's a Grand America Facebook page, responding to stuff in our Twitter feed, stuff like that. Yeah, keep the hate out of it. Keep right? the hate out of it as yeah. much as possible. Yeah. I mean, you know, Hotez blocked Be me. respectful. Be respectful as much as possible. And uh, that's what's gonna that's what's gonna help us get make progress. If we can show I that mean, we, we can keep doing this. All the time too. Oh yeah, we're just as bad. We get triggered. But uh just try and be as respectful and as kind as possible as we start, you know, if we're going to do these debates where it's people get triggered, we got to make sure that it's not Americans that are getting triggered. Cause I think you guys are better than that. What else you got? Well, I don't know what, it, I mean, how much time do you want to got five, 10 minutes here? So we talked about, we're done the, asking uh, for support. I think contact at the cabin and all that. I do have a little synchro about the contact at the cabin, but, uh, I also got a funny story. Oh, I got a fun story to read. Why don't I? Why don't I do that? It's do a little. It. It's not too long, but it's pretty funny. Do it. It's very well written, I think, from what I remember. And this is from uh, Nancy. She says uh, she had some black budget questions. Actually, maybe we could just talk about that quickly. So we do have another feed that uh, if you donate any amount at all, it's not like a paywall where you need to pay five bucks or eight bucks a month. But we do have an extra feed of a whole bunch of different content. It's called our black budget support feed. So Nancy was. Uh, she had some questions about that that Darren helped her out about. So she says, I've attached a small story. Do what you will with it. She just thought she'd share it and she said, keep up the great work. It's truly appreciated. Let's hear it. Hi, Darren and Graham. First off, thanks so much for the excellent podcast and thanks for keeping it ad free. I have a small story to share. No real synchronicity. It's just a tiny portal that appears to be located in our kitchen. A portal? Gonna, I'm just going to wait for Darren to put his a phone portal? Right here. Yeah. Stop saying that. Keep in mind that our kitchen is small with a hardwood floor and cabinetry that is tight to the floor. The only open areas are below the refrigerator and the dishwasher. So here's what happened so far. About 15 years ago, my husband and I were sitting at our kitchen table playing a game of Scrabble. 15 years ago? This is, this is, this is awesome because it goes on. This is, this is a good story. Somehow we knocked one of the wood ladder tiles off the table. We heard a distinctive click of it hitting the floor and skittling around a little bit. Naturally, we started to look for the tile. We didn't see it anywhere under the table and quickly determined it must have slid under the fridge or the dishwasher. We employed flashlights and yardsticks to conduct the search, but try as we might, we had no luck locating the missing tile. Oh, well, it was just a letter E, so the game could go on without much of an issue. Every following Scrabble game found us chuckling about our wayward little E. We hoped that, you know, we hoped his jump to an alternate universe had been a safe one. Perhaps someone in another universe was wondering how in the world small wood tile E had managed to show up on their kitchen table. So, okay, fast forward a year or two. 
the dishwasher needed repair, so it came out. Of course, we searched for the tile, but nope, nothing there. A few years later, it was time to replace the aging refrigerator. Again, we launched a full-fledged e-hunt. Still no luck. We gave up and wished our E a happy life, wherever he may have landed. Move forward another decade. This time, a young grandchild joined us at the kitchen table. As usual, a Scrabble game was going on for the adults, and the small child was being entertained by playing with a bright yellow Lego creation. And all of a sudden, ka-plink, one of the Legos had fallen from the table. Being bright yellow and having no real place to go, the Lego should have been easy to find. A quick look at the floor did not reveal anything. Reveal anything. So out came the flashlights and the yard sticks, and under the appliances, Lego reconnaissance mission began. The grandchild found the whole process to be highly entertaining until it became obvious the Lego was absolutely nowhere to be found. The yard stick sweeps revealed nothing beyond the obligatory dust bunnies and a single milk junk cap. However, the grandchild simply would not give up and continued the search. Suddenly, we all heard it. Click, click, clack, slide. Excitedly, we cheer on the child, offering directions on how to tap the Lego out to safety. One last swipe and the small rectangular piece made its appearance. Much to our surprise and much to the child's disappointment, the result was not a Lego, but was instead the long-lost letter E Scrabble tile. Nice. <laughs> yep, our universe hopping E was back and the bright yellow Lego was gone. Really, seriously gone. We didn't have the heart to throw the E back into the Scrabble box. Instead, he holds a place of honor on the kitchen windowsill while we all wait to see when the Lego might reappear. I wonder if I have a message on it. Yeah. What if the E disappears again? <laughs> yeah. I thought that was a funny story. You can imagine it, because it goes on for like 15 years, right? Like, Huh. Yeah, that was good. Thanks for the, the email. Absolutely. I love these little stories. Little... uh Dimensional. I, will, I won't shifts. get into like comments about little gremlins and goblins and interdimensional fairies probably stealing our stuff. Machine elves. Yeah. We're doing a fairy show soon. Are we? Yeah. I didn't know that. With Joshua. Joshua oh, Kitchen. Cool. That's cool. Yeah. With the little fairy that Madison caught on camera. Really? He's seen the picture, so we should just talk about really? fairies. Yeah. He's a fairy expert, I guess. So, I or as pictures. expert as he can be I on got fairies. Some pictures of fairies, too. Yeah. I have some, actually, I have some, I think. I'd like to run some uh, prosaic explanations by you on what I think the fairy pictures that we took while we were at a CE5 uh, location up north. Sure, that would be fun with Joshua. Yeah. Yeah, that would almost bring us up to the break for CAC. We got a three-week break for the trip. Uh, three and a half, maybe three, three, three and a half, somewhere in there. So we got, what do we got? We got Grant Cameron. Sorry, no, Graham Hancock. <laughs> um, Jane Jeffries. Jim Are you Jeffrey? talking about all the new shows coming up that we're recording? Or Yes. Yeah, we have a bunch in the can as well that are going to be released. Yeah, but yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. So we got a bunch of shows coming up in the next couple of weeks here. They're going to be good. It's going to be great. Ben Davidson coming back. Oh, that's good. Ben. And we also need to get uh, Jim Lee back too. Alan Green coming back. Graham Hancock, Joshua Kitchen. Some yeah, great shows. We got another debate in the works. We're trying to knock out before CAC. And we'll have another debate after CAC. Hey, everything's looking good. CAC being contact at the cabin. Contact at the cabin. Check out badcomet.com for details. Get on the wait list for next year. Uh, and who knows, maybe someone will drop out. Get on that wait list. Buy a raffle ticket. All that fun stuff. Support the show. GrandAmerica.ca slash support. And enjoy this chat with Arthur Nuremberg Albert.
Albert Nuremberg. No one named Arthur anymore. It's Art. Arthur's a dying name. Art. It's Art. Arthur. I prefer Art. Arthur. Yeah. It's more kingly. Yeah, it is very kingly. So you can also leave a voicemail or send a text to 403-702-6083 and uh, review the show. Review the show, grammarica.ca slash iTunes. Subscribe on YouTube. Follow us on Facebook. Do all that stuff. It all helps. Even if you don't go to those places, follow us, like us, do whatever you can do there because it helps us bump up. Oh, there's a chat. In the algos, grammarica.ca slash chats. Perpetual chats. Lots of cool cool conversations going on in there. Yeah. And then uh, we always like to have a couple strongholds of the show. I think I have about six or seven all around the world now. But if you got like some extra hard drive space and you don't mind just throwing 30 gigs someplace, it's always nice to have a couple satellite backups of the Grammarica Library, 350 episodes. In case anything ever goes down, we can all just start uploading them. Everything. Good plan. Yep. So you got some free space. Uh, soon, if you do that, let us know who did it. We, I've kind of got a running list of emails of who's all got copies of the backup copies of the show going, so I know who to contact if I ever... If Apple or someone else ever decides they don't want us around anymore. And like I say, we're also in the process of looking at turning all that stuff into being 100% self-sufficient. Uh, we talked about that a bit on the last couple shows, but that's a, that's another sport thing. We'll get there. I'm not worried about it. We'll get there when we need to. Enjoy the show. Enjoy the chat. Albert Nuremberg. Try not to get too hypnotized. fun one tonight we've got a fellow canadian he's an independent filmmaker actor journalist hypnologist as well as a hypnotist i believe and a laughologist and his latest uh, movie was uh, that he directed was you are what you act which is super fascinating so thanks for coming on the show and talking to us about it great to be here actually yeah it's it's uh we're both inspired after watching watching your stuff and i mean we've already sort of teased it teased a little bit more of stuff that we we don't know about yet about the about your work and i mean i don't know where to start but i do think it's fascinating that you've you've uh it seems like you kind of stumbled across the acting part of all this and you ended up like putting it all together almost through synchronistic events but you you found all these threads and you put them all together to something that's pretty fascinating maybe you could talk about the genesis of that of that movie i guess it'd probably be a good place to start yeah, perfect place to start. So I, I just did a documentary for the CBC called You Are What You Act. And mm-hmm. the kind of, I'll just, I might as well just explain how I got on the story. Like a lot of, a lot of people, I was reading the newspaper and I read the story about Tom Cruise, the actor, rescuing somebody in real life. And I thought, that sounds like a scene from a Tom Cruise movie. And then I looked a little deeper and I realized he's done it 
five or six times. <laughs> yeah. And so then I started thinking maybe other actors who play certain roles are doing the same thing. And so Harrison Ford has rescued people a bunch of times. Um, Vin Diesel has. And then people who sometimes play people who die have died in real life or killed oh, people right. in real life. Right, yeah. So that's, that's how it started. And what did you find? I mean, that you just blew my mind right there saying that Tom Cruise has saved five people's lives. Well, in real no, life. no, he's, yeah. he's not necessarily saved lives. I think he's been in a rescue type of environment. I don't know if yeah. they've all been like life or death, yeah. but he's, he's been there and he's acted before yeah. other people have acted. Yeah. So there's a bunch of situations where actors, because it's ingrained, they've been practicing this over and over take after take when a real life situation happens, boom, they're in, in there before, like, I'd just freak out and like, I'd be in shock. I wouldn't know what to do. Haven't you taken That's your right. first aid course? No. Oh. I'm a trained first aider. <laughs> yeah. I know exactly how to react. <laughs> but that actually kind of makes sense because, you know, one of the theory in the film is that when, it, when people are faced with something they don't understand, like a bomb going off or a, or a guy with a gun or something like that, they tend to freeze. It's human nature. You actually don't even have, you may not even have a decision in it. It just happens to you, the unconscious decision. And then, but if you have pictures, so if you have taken a first aid course where you saw images of like, I go over to the person that's on the ground, they're bleeding and I cover the wound or whatever it is, just the pictures in your mind might cause you to break the freeze. That's, and that makes a big difference. You break the freeze, you have a story you can follow and then you just do it. So the theory of the film is that if actors are basically acting out their roles, their main roles, the roles that identify with the most, could the rest of us do it too? Yeah. Uh, in other ways. Well, I definitely so, uh, noticed that in conversation. I mean, after doing 300 and some podcasts, I find myself talking way more than I was five years ago. You know, if the room goes dead, yeah. I start yapping. Yeah. That makes sense. You, you know, that makes sense also that what you talk about is what you sort of become more of though. Not every, not in every way. Yeah. Some people say you are what you think you are, what you say a little bit. Yeah. So is it all like just rebuilding neural pathways and like how an athlete would practice over and over and then it becomes, it becomes second nature and they get into this flow state or is it, is it more metaphysical than that? It seems well, to have a bit of both in a way. Well, I thought, yeah, it is metaphysical. So let me give you a weird example. And I think it's a lot of it's uncharted weirdly enough. Okay. So you take, um, a Canadian team, actually in your hometown, Vancouver, uh, at, yeah. at UB, at, they figured out that the victory pose is universal. So the, the victory pose, you see it everywhere. So that's what, you're at a hockey game, you throw up your arms, yeah! That's the victory pose. And we just think of it, oh yeah, I do that when my team scores. But that's a universal human behavior. They know this because even blind athletes, Athletes that are born blind, when they win races, they throw up their arms in the victory pose. When I did the research. How do they know they, they won? Uh, yeah, somebody tells them somehow. <laughs> somebody in Braille. They get a note in Braille. <laughs> so it's not like at the moment, it's a little while later. It's like, you won. Yes. Or they hear their name announced or something. It must be they hear their yeah. name. Yeah, and they do the victory pose. Now, here's the weird thing. You would think, so when they explain the victory pose, they're like, there's one victory pose. But actually, when you look at it, there's, there's probably 10 or more. 
So like there's a pose called the Tada, which is that's where you throw your hands back and you're like, I'm here. And then there's a Canadian victory pose. This is my suggestion. I call the the fucking A, which is when a hockey player scores a goal that's quite artistic, they go down kind of on one knee and they go like this. They pump their fist down. Then they go up. That's a uniquely hockey-based victory pose. Does not have a name. I'm just calling it the fucking A because that's what they would be kind of saying. Yeah. My friend's kid. Think, my friend's kid does that when he scores. He's just he, it's, yeah. it is. It's very inherent. I mean, he's like twelve or fourteen or something like that. So there is like a. So let me give you the science because it's kind of interesting. The science, like this, explains why we have behaviors and emotions that they're useful. And yet, you would wonder, like, why make the victory pose? You know, great, you won. Good for you. You can throw up your arms, but why do you make it? And it makes sense that let's say you're in a more tribal situation, the tribe's attacked by a, by a tiger or a leopard, and you kill the leopard you know, with a spear, which is not easy to do, but you do it, which is amazing. Now, if you just walked away and said, yeah, I killed the tiger, you know, good, then that doesn't mean anything, and it won't cause you to kill more tigers. But if you throw up your arms, do a dance, express like i did the right thing this is great we're all happy and everybody joins in you're gonna get more of that the next time a tiger comes to town you will be ready and so it makes sense that these poses make us stronger that's what the science is saying too and actors are doing the same thing all the time they're power posing so should we like cheer after a podcast how can we how could we put that in the podcast space at the end of the night just be like yes we did it Yes, you should cheer. Good. Because I will, 100%. That is now part of the routine. <laughs> yes. But I, I'm not, you know, it's an interesting, I, I, this would be the explanation. People who win more cheer more. So it stands to reason that if you cheer more, maybe you'll win more. Wow. Oh, that's fascinating. So then there's all these other poses. If we stick on that vein for a bit, like you go through in, in front of your audiences. I mean, I saw the the movie and it was fascinating when you had that, that pretty, uh, you know, pretty technical audience there. You're, but you were getting them all to try these different poses. You know, you open up your yeah. mouth and you, you know, yeah. you say, wow. And, and it does change your, your state of being. I mean, it really, so there's all different ones, you know, you can be closed in and skeptical or wide eyed yeah. and literally more open to things. You explained it really well. So this is like, you can change the way you experience things by your behavior. So let me give you an example. There's research that shows that you learn more on the inhale. So if you're, like, if you're listening right now and you're thinking, ah, oh, I want to learn, get that, I want to learn that, try inhaling it. It's sort of like snorting cocaine. I know it's a good, bad metaphor, but snort the thing you want to learn. Allegedly. Well, it comes back to breathing. I mean, that that's, could be some that's of the power right. of breathing, right? Yeah, shallow breathing, breathing, holding your breath, all those unconscious behaviors that hold yeah. you back. Maybe that's why cocaine leads to so much more cocaine. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it was a good good <laughs> metaphor, but I just were more meant that inhale the thing that you want and you will learn it. And um and and the word wow. So here's the thing too. Some of this stuff, the science is really solid. When I made the film, I interviewed some top like psychologists, but I think the word wow is like a universal, but the scientists do not necessarily agree. But so you can even try it. So let me explain the science. 
when you see something amazing or when you hear something amazing, you might say, wow. Now, does it work in reverse? If you just say, wow, does this moment become amazing? And I'm going to suggest to you that it can. And there's a very simple exercise. We just start going, wow. wow and we, wow. And we respond to each other's <laughs> wows by going, wow. 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 Now he's going to get us laughing. Now, see, now this could be oh. useful in podcasting. Oh, very we, much. We, we got to start saying wow more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. D okay, let me ask you, did you feel like it was kind of like interesting? Yeah. Like, it brought it, on the feeling. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, 100%. So that, that, this phenomena is studied but not well understood, that the body leads you into states. So you, that suggests you should choose good body states for yourself, you know, like happier states or, or more confident states, basically. It's important. One of the weird examples of this is with, the, with phones. If you look at phones, the way people, most people look at phones, they crouch over like this. Yeah. Okay? yeah. If you take away the phone what you're looking at is depressive posture. That's what depressed people do. They hunch, they're kind of like this, they hunch over. Um, so that's why if you look at your phone, I recommend looking at your phone kind of like this. I don't know if I'm doing it right. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so you're going to have a phone. You might as well look at it confidently. Yeah, that's right. He, he's doing it. That's good. I'm taking notes. Anyways, all these things are called power poses. They were put together by a, a Harvard psychologist named Amy Cuddy, and she developed a technique called power posing. And the way it applies is she basically says, if you have a high-pressure situation, like a job interview, a public speech, uh, maybe even a date, that it is to your advantage before you do it. This is what she developed. Before you go on stage, you power pose. You put your shoulders out. You put your hands on your hips. As you hold your hands up in a victory pose, just take up space. That by doing that, when you come on stage, you will act out more appropriate behaviors to a public speaker. You'll be more confident, and you'll likely have better outcomes. Now, there is controversy about whether people really get better outcomes, because if you power pose badly, <laughs> if you walk into a job interview and you're like, it's yeah. me, <laughs> Superman. <laughs> People will go, <laughs> what a cocky fuck. Guy, yeah. What an idiot. That guy's an idiot. And that happens a certain percentage of the time. It totally backfires. A huge backfire ratio. So you have to do it correctly and calibrate to the situation. Yeah, that's a good point. So you're talking about power poses, and I, one of my uh, guilty pleasures is the OA on Netflix. I don't yeah. know if you've seen it, but uh, we, ju we just watched the recap of season one last night because we're getting ready to start season two. And I mean, in that movie, they're using these, those weird sort of poses and they're bringing people back to life and stuff like that. Is there any sort of, did you look into any external use of um, power poses and being able to affect the, you know, other people with them? What, sorry, whether they affect people that are looking at you or, or well, they affect well, like, people? Yeah, in the OA, they're like pointing these hand signals and doing these dances and they're doing them to each other. And in the one spot, they bring Buddy back to life or whatever, which is probably, you know, a little overboard. <laughs> but 
Yeah. But, you know, can, is there, I mean, we, we're wow. seeing a lot of that in some healing and stuff. <laughs> It could it, well be like I'm like Reiki's to... kind of like that, right? And in, in some yeah. ways, yeah, it's like Reiki. You're right, and 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 if you did like power Reiki, it would be better than like like super low power Reiki. Like loser Reiki, probably not going to work on you as well as winner Reiki. Um, but yeah, that kind of makes sense. Well, yeah, and kind of building on that, one of the questions I had after watching your movie was. If you're in a negative environment, like let's say somebody's in a work environment and, and it's not wow. very positive. Wow. Um, does it, does wow. it cut like, so you're in, wow. the, you're in these poses, it changes your state and obviously it affects the way other people look at you. Will it affect them? Yeah. Is it contagious in a way as well? Because yeah. there is, you know, you hear about these people talking about energy vampires or, or, yeah. uh, you know, you're, you're, if you're in your, uh, your authentic state and you're shining your light that it will affect other people. So it kind of makes me think along the same veins with that. Well, it fits yeah, in the with stuff, everything. The stuff is very contagious. Like um, that's the, one of the problems with power posing. If you walk in and you act like, Hey, I'm the boss. People are going to be, wait, no, you're not, you know, you're not the boss. <laughs> so you, there's a, there's a bunch of reasons why it, it's got, it's problematic. But on the other hand, there are a bunch of like lower power poses like for example when you there's a situation you might be humble you're meeting you know then adopting a low power pose actually affects other people makes them feel comfortable yeah yeah but but similarly i, I agree like okay there's a very interesting thing let, let me tell you how how this affects your your experience of the world so let's take smiling there's a study that shows that you get up in the morning or i don't know let's say you get up and whenever you get up and you walk out and you decide to arbitrarily smile, meaning you don't have any reason to smile. You just decide to do it as an action. You actually bias your brain to notice more things to smile about. So you mess with yourself. Same thing with laughing. If you just laugh, so generally we laugh because we see something funny. But if you laugh, you start to see more funny things. <sighs> So it's this weird way that you can distort reality by your outward behavior. And that's in the film. Like it's the weirdest part. It's really a lot like drugs. So you can get high on, let's say, laughter. And then your, your world will become more laughy. So, it's, you know, it's a little subtler than that, but that's kind of how it works. Well, and that gets that crosses over with all that new age stuff, you know, the secret and all this positive thinking yeah. and affirmations. I mean, if you're, if you're, you know, saying affirmations, then you are putting yourself in that different state. I mean, whether you do it with a smile, maybe doing it with a smile on your face makes it all that more powerful. Yeah. Like, so people have compared this to the secret, but you know, the secret they talked about the you know, law of attraction in this film, we talk about the law of action. What, and the law of action is that you distort the universe towards or against the actions you take. So if you smile, you tend to get more smiles. If you, if you go and punch a lot of people in the face, you're going to get punched a lot in the face. Just that's just the law of action. Treat it's other people like you want to be treated. Sorry, which movie? Treat other people like you want to be treated. Yeah, that, yes, you're right. It's the golden rule. That's the golden rule. Yeah, and I mean, in in a lot of ways, that kind of is a secret because if if you can if you can subtly affect real, I guess. If you're suddenly affecting your mind enough to affect reality that way, it's kind of the same thing. If you're worried about 
how you're broke all the time. You're going to be more broke. And if you're worried about how, you know, fill in the blank. So there is an aspect to that fake it till you make it sort of, sort of mindset. Yeah, totally. That's right. Uh, You know, I think that, um, that sort of abundance theory says too, that if you, um, if you keep thinking about, I've got no money, I've got no money. This is actually even more hypnosis. Keep telling yourself, I got no money, I got no money. Eventually, that's who you become. You're the guy who's got no money. <laughs> so, so you got to change that program. Yeah, well, we had, I mean, we had, we had Scott Adams on the show. And I mean, that guy's, you know, conquered the world in a lot of ways. You know, 70 million in the bank. He's, you know, living the dream in a lot of ways. And, and he, to this day, he says the number one course he took was that course on hypnosis that taught oh, yeah? him sort of how the human he that that and Dale yeah. that and Dale Carnegie and yeah. between those two courses and it sort of taught him how the human brain worked and he said and that and because of that he became a firm believer in affirmations and stuff like that and he to this day he says you know I wasn't I wasn't even the best artist in my great in my high school class or the or the funniest guy but you know, I've I I picked up a couple of these skills, and then, and then oh by the way, I also spent a couple of years saying I Scott Adams will be a famous cartoonist. Really? Yeah. I mean, and you know, you know what's interesting? See, this is this is like the sequel to my movie that you're talking about. I'm not making this, but I was really fascinated. Like one thing we cut out is the story of Arnold Schwarzenegger, the actor governor. Right? What's interesting about him? He's very similar. He visualized his entire life before it happened. Mm. So he says that when he was a weightlifter, he visualized that he could see himself being Mr. Universe. And then he became Mr. Universe. <laughs> and then people asked him, like, what are you going to do now? He says, I'm going to become a movie star in Hollywood. Everyone's like, come on, <laughs> you're Austrian. You have like a thick accent <laughs> and you look ridiculous. And then, and then he became like this huge movie star. Then... And, and he said at the time, he said, because I visualized it. And then after that, he said, I'm going to become governor of California. And then like, everyone's like, what? You're crazy. You're like a movie star weightlifter guy. And then he did it. Um, so he's like, he's just like the guy you were talking about. Some people, it's not everybody can do this, some, but some people are able to visualize the course of their lives before it happened. And then they they use it as a manifestation tool. Well, Jim Carrey too, right? Jim Carrey says too. He had That's written right. himself that check for ten million bucks, and you know that right then and there he gets that spot in his first movie for ten million or five million or whatever it was. Yeah, I can't remember the yeah. exact number. I'm sure someone will correct me. But you know, it's that same sort of thing. And I wonder if that when you say it's certain people have this ability. What I think, I mean. One of my favorite books is Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And he never yeah. really tells you what the secret is in there. But, and you know, he kind of leaves it open to you to put it together. But a lot of it seems to come to faith. I really think that faith is misplaced these days. And that part of it, you know, there's a service, the adding value, all that's part of it. But faith seems to be a big part of it. So is it part of it is just that they knew they you know, these people, they, or they, they just have faith. Yeah. They're just like, they believe it that much. And when you can, if you can turn that corner, whether it's healing yourself, manifesting your reality, whatever. If you can get to the point where you believe it with your full being, um, it, it has a, an effect one way or another. I mean, I think it, it has a, 
um, a real profound effect. And even like Lynn McTaggart says in those ex- in intention experiments, even if there's no magic in the world, it makes a measurable effect. Interesting. Yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, it reminds me of, um, uh, I was going to say that, that um, you, got, you want to be the star of your own movie in life. And if you don't believe, if you don't like yourself, if you're the villain of your own movie, then you don't, you're not likely to get what you want or you're not likely to get far, I think. And you've got to, it's a very interesting question. I think that to me, if you've got a life, you've got to believe in yourself. You're lucky enough like to be alive. You might as well believe in yourself to the nth degree and devote yourself to like the betterment of the universe, whatever that means. Yeah, yeah. I was just thinking about a way where it could affect other people too. Like if you notice more, like you're saying, if you're, if you're in a, in a space where you're noticing more positive things, let's say, or you're being positive, you're noticing more positive things Yeah, that could affect other people around you to do more positive things. I mean, yeah. but if you're always noticing the negative thing, people will be scared of doing the negative thing. But if you notice more positive things, there could be a, a like a metaphysical reaction as well to just become, you know, trying to do more positive things to, to have it being recognized. Yeah, that makes sense. Huh. I also I also think like part of what hypnosis teaches us is that it's the pictures, not the words. <clears throat> people, that's one of the key things about hypnotic behavior is that people respond directly to images because the unconscious mind understands Im- images and doesn't really speak English. The conscious mind doesn't really like it translate yeah. English. So that's why you say to somebody, if you, were, if you ate too many hamburgers and you said to yourself, I got to stop eating hamburgers, your conscious mind is going to go, ah, yeah, I got to stop eating hamburgers. But your unconscious is going to go, hamburgers, hamburgers, let's eat hamburgers. <laughs> yeah. <And> you, see, <laughs> you see how you got contradiction. And that's why people have a hard time quitting addictions because they're going, I really got to stop drinking. So they then their unconscious mind goes drinking, drinking. <laughs> yeah, <totally>. <laughs> cigarettes <laughs> too. Yeah. yeah, I gotta quit smoking, and they're like, smoke. Unconscious mind sees the picture. It doesn't care about the then it doesn't understand yes or no. So it that's why you gotta change the change your pictures, change your life. I like the way we're like cooking up different slogans for how to have a better life. But yeah, yeah. I never, I never heard that before, but I think that's a good change your pictures, change your life. So is that how you, d- it's a mean world you? these days, Albert, we got to meet, we got to, we have to be able to get the message across in a picture with a couple of words on it or <laughs> yeah, it's lost that's right. to We're most of meme. the population. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> I'm like, wow. Is that wow. how, is that kind of how you, you, cause I noticed in your, and your websites and stuff that addiction is one of the things that you help through a, a hypnosis. And I got some other questions about things that uh, friends of ours have a- asked us to ask you about uh, what you can help. But is that sort of how that works with addiction is you start, you get people to stop picturing that and change the, yeah. nar- change the narrative around to being healthy instead of being addicted or whatever. Yeah. Like one of the basic ideas of, of hypnosis is this, is this simple distinction between conscious and unconscious. One of our problems is that we deal with our issues with conscious behavior. So you say to somebody, you know, if somebody says like you drink too much or you should stop smoking and the person can consciously understand you, they're like, yeah, I don't want to drink or I don't want to smoke or whatever it is. But the unconscious is not, it's kind of like a mystery, you know, 
I worked in an addiction center. I always remember that people would, be, would um, sometimes when they relapse, you would sort of catch them or find them like drinking. And you'd be like, hey, what are you doing? And they'd be like, what? Like, I'm not, I'm not supposed to do this. I'm like, that's precisely the thing you're not supposed to do. Drink the thing that you're doing right now. And they're like, shit, they look at the bottle and they're like, it was like somebody else was doing it. And that's unconscious programming. That's them reflecting honestly how they behave. Huh. And what it, hypnosis lets us do is find a way to, to, to tr change or modify the unconscious programs that, that are a little harder to get into or to, to see. And the way to understand them is that they work through pictures much more than language. Huh. What, about, what about stuff like uh, migraines or chronic, uh, chronic pain or chronic uh, symptoms, chronic issues? Okay, let me tell you a crazy story. Because this is like a pretty crazy show. Can I tell you? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. anything. Anything okay. goes. Yeah. Okay, so let me tell you a story about this British surgeon named Esdale. There was a famous hypnotic induction called the Esdale induction. And one of the things it can be used for if it's done very deeply and profoundly is that you can put someone deep into trance while they're awake and then operate on them. So you could uh, you can put them as deep into this induction and you could maybe remove uh, an organ. That would be dramatic. But famously, <laughs> there's, there's this guy named Esdale was a surgeon during in India, I think around the 1880s. And there were a, a number of wars and he ended up getting patients that had gangrene and he had no choice but to saw off their legs arms and legs often and because uh, at a, a particular time they ran out of anesthetic at one point he was like i gotta saw off like something like three people's legs with and i don't have any anesthetic so he had studied mesmerism which was the kind of name for hypnosis at the time and he thought oh i'll, I'll I'll give it a try. I think there's a way to turn off pain. And so he tried this induction and he famously like put some people in the trance. And when they're in trance, they can still talk and talk to them. So you're saying like, how do you feel? And then he sawed off their legs while they were awake, no anesthetic. That's and he crazy. became quite famous. And there's a really, one wow. of the most amazing examples is that a guy had a two pound cancer tumor in his testicles two pound testicular tumor and he heard about esdale and he because the doctors had told him they couldn't operate and he asked esdale if he could do it and esdale used mesmerism put him into trance the guy says no anesthetic zero and he removes a two pound testicular tumor while talking to the guy <laughs> when you do this you check with the person. You say, are you feeling okay? Well, I, I'm sawing your testicles open. <laughs> and, <laughs> and he was like, yeah, I'm fine. And <laughs> testicles are the devil anyway. <laughs> wow. Um, so to answer your question, in a certain kind of deep trance, you can treat pain as if it's just a signal. So you can say to somebody like, that pain that you have, that back pain, and I've done this with people who have back pain, is just a signal. And here's the thing, that when you go to sleep, you feel the pain, and they suddenly go, wait, what? You're right. How do I sleep? If I can feel the, like, and all, people always tell you, I feel the pain all the time. So I ask them, do you feel it at night when you're asleep? And they're like, no. 
and, and you say you must like kind of wake up and sort of not realize you're not feeling the pain. They're like, yes, that says your brain can just turn off the pain. It's just a signal. The brain can just go, hey, pain, go to sleep. And it does. So we can do the same thing in hypnosis. So is it a specific thing for pain or is it just normal hypnosis that you do? It's like, it's a particularly, it's a bunch of particularly deep inductions. Right. Like you wouldn't do the very quick, like if I was on doing stage hypnosis and I was like, okay, relax, yeah, sleep. Yeah, yeah. Boom, go, cut okay, off your arm. Now I'm going to saw off your arm. That would be bad. Bad idea. I wouldn't do that. We might be able but, to set that up over in Eastern Europe someplace, so. Yeah. I mean, kidney removal, sell some kidneys or something like that. <laughs> All on the up and up. All on the up and up. Well, Anyways. What, go ahead, sorry. So absolutely, you can do that. You can, you can use hypnosis for pain relief. If I can tell you the weird thing is, like, I know people might be listening, they're thinking like, well, it worked for me or my friend or whatever it is. The weird thing about hypnosis a little bit is that um, a certain part of the population is very hypnotizable, about a third. Okay. About a third. And so those people get dramatic results. But the other two-thirds initially might get no results. So you would be there sawing the guy's leg off, and he'd be like, ow, that hurts, that hurts. No, it would never be like that. I'm joking. But the point is it wouldn't work on some people. So like a simple trance might not work on some people. So that gives, makes people confused. They're like, well, does it work or does it not work? I assure you that on the third of the population who can go into deep trance quickly, they get dramatic re results most of the time with hypnosis. So does that mean that one of those guys that got his leg cut off had a bad time? No, I think that one of the ways you do this, like to, 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 to be serious, not joke around, is that you make sure that the person's in the right trance and they have a warning thing too. You say to them, what level of pain do you feel? And they usually they say that from one to 10. So you're sawing their leg off and you say, what pain level of pain do you feel? And they say, one. And you're like, everything okay? They're like, yeah. So the minute that, the idea I think is the minute that if they cha it changed, you would, um, you would stop doing it. There are yeah. lots of safety protocols. It's a very serious business. I don't, I don't do medical hypnosis, but the people that do it are quite serious. And that's the deep trance, right? So I think what you're saying is, is if, it, if it's a longer and deeper trance process, then maybe it'll affect more people. But you're talking about the, tr the quick trance, like people, only a third of the well, people can, can go into that quick trance? Or? Yeah, but, but everyone, in my opinion, can be hypnotized right, yeah, without yeah, exception. Yeah. Without exception. Yeah. But... But about a third of the population goes in super fast. Yeah. Like with a skilled hypnotist, they can, they can drop you deep in trance in about 10 minutes. That it would then be useful. The same reason, like I said, going to sleep can turn off pain. Well, going into hypnotic sleep often can turn off pain. So, it's like a delicate thing. I'll tell you why. Um, pain is useful. It tells you like if you're sitting on a pointed stick or something like that, you or if you're burning your hand. So you want to be very careful about turning off pain because if you do it and the person feels no pain, they can just fall down the stairs and be like, wow, this is great. Wow, this is fun falling down the stairs. Yeah, and it's a sign that you shouldn't be doing that. If, you're, if, you're, if you've twisted your knee and 
yeah. and it's in a lot of pain, you shouldn't be walking like that. Like, you know, you should, yeah. you should be resting or whatever. Like it is a, it's useful in a lot of ways. We yeah. should, we got a bunch of questions in the chats here. This is a popular one yeah. in the chat. So I'm going to go to a bump up to one here. We got one, uh, from our buddy, Jonathan Hedge here. Um, if you've ever worked with stutterers, he said he tried hypnosis for his stuttering and it didn't work. Uh, he's wondering if you've ever worked with stutterers, which is interesting because yeah. remember Paul Stamets say to whack a mushrooms and convinced himself to stop stuttering. Yeah. So it seems like there's a possibility there. Yeah. Let me explain why it might work. So yes, I have worked with stutterers and, and generally it works. Um, though again, I would say you want deep trance. Okay, what hypnotic trance is? You ever remember Star Trek? The Star Trek, the second gen. What's it called? The Next Generation. Next Generation. Yeah, yeah. best. Yeah. The best Star Trek. Okay, on that show they had a thing called the holodeck, right? The holodeck. What What was the holodeck? What happened there? That was where you went in there, and it was like this weird grid place, and then all of a sudden it yeah. could pop up whatever you wanted. Yeah, you could be in a western, you could be in the future, past, whatever, and you could you could be different people too. So what, what hypnosis allows, so for example, with a stutterer, what hypnosis allows you to do is to go into, into the holodeck. And because you're very relaxed and you're in an open trance, you would do a version of yourself that doesn't stutter. You would just do that version. Now, at first you'd do it maybe in imagination, and then you would do it in a more you know, action-based way. That would allow you a little bit of room to, tr to try things out. And also because stutters are stress-related, by definition, when you're in a deep trance, you're not feeling stress. It's required. Like deep trance, people, their, their muscles are actually often more limp because it's like it's a calm state. So hypnosis gives you that little break. So if, you, if you, stuttering is caused by stress and you're relaxed, plus you can holodeck yourself as a slightly different person that is not stuttering, those are the two stage ways that you would heal the problem. And I, would, I am sure that you can. Uh -huh. and, 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 and one reason that, that it's a real issue why, is that language itself, talking, is actually hypnotic. People don't, I'll give you an example. It's an unconscious behavior. You don't exactly know how you talk. You just do. You, you don't think, oh, I'm going to make myself talk now and say some words. No, it just happens. So that's why it's a kind of unconscious program that you can get into through hypnosis. Wow. Do you have another one from the chat? Yeah, I got another one here. Is, 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 someone who, who, is someone who isn't in that one third that's easily put into a trance, can, do, can they be trained to become easily put into a trance? That's a great question. That's a great question. So yeah, the question is, can anyone... Yeah, so I, like when I started, I, I am not very hypnotizable. I was not hypnotizable. I've be, become way more hypnotizable. And the answer is yes. The one is you can train yourself through meditation and self-hypnosis. That works quite well. Or you can also, there's a, there's a bunch of other ways to do it. There's now a lamp. There's light therapy can put you into trance. Even a good spiral. You can get good spirals on YouTube. Um, binaural beats help a lot of people. We should put a binaural beat on this podcast because then people would listen to it in a trance. There you go. But, I'll have to um, find a, a non-copyrighted one. Yeah. 
But I'm sure there's a ton out there for sure. Guaranteed there'll yeah. be a few out there. We'll put one at the end of the episode. Put it in the yeah, notes. Can it just have it some like notes. can it just have some like hypnotic like super chats? Super, super chats. Chat. Keep super chat. Chimerica.ca slash support. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How do we hypnotize people into donating to the show? You know what you could do is I just thought you're just doing it right now. It's called a dual induction. So so I just want to finish the question. So the answer is Yes, anyone can learn to be better at being hypnotized. To answer the person that, and there's a number of ways to do it, but it requires patience because compared to the other people who can do it in in five minutes, you're gonna it might take you a, you know a few tries. So, so, but okay. So to answer your question is, so there's there's something called a dual induction where you use two people who put a person in a trance. So let me tell you like what puts people into trances. Yeah. So, so basically what, put, what put, puts people in the trance is number one is being relaxed. So you get people to breathe in a relaxed way and you create momentum towards trance. But, and some people, weirdly enough, just by telling, you know, but just saying relax, take it easy, some people will actually go into trance quite quickly, just like that, if they feel comfortable. But the other way is that most people, let's say most people go into trance, would be if there's a little element of surprise or of confusion. And one of the interesting things about the brain, apparently, is it has a, an exact quotient of things it can pay attention to. So generally, the brain can only pay attention to three things at the same time. It can listen to, it can notice what it's seeing. It can pay attention to what you're hearing and what you're feeling. So if it goes more than that, the brain at that moment gets confused. And if you shock the person right there by, let's say, snapping your fingers, or just doing something that they are confused by, you can then make a suggestion that goes very deep. You can just say, you know, it's okay if you just sleep. Because they were shocked and confused and they were looking for what the hell is going to happen next, they just plunge into a trance. And that's where you see in like a hypnosis show where the person goes limp and falls on the chair. They're in stage three level trance at that point. Does that have to be a in-person thing, or can that be done no. over Skype? I do it over Skype all the time. A lot of my clients, I have cl clients all over the world because Skype is a, a little flatter as a medium, but still quite good. Like like a lot of things you do in hypnosis, like music, finger snaps, surprise, all those things work over Skype. They just take you know a little more focus to make them work. How long would it take to find out if Graham and I, either Graham and I, fall into the thirty-three percent? Right, right away. We should do it. If we're going to say it, we should do it. Yeah, yeah. A rule of, it'll take uh, five minutes. People can do it at home. Okay. okay. Yeah, so if you're driving, yeah, we always have to throw out the caveat that if you're driving, you yeah, can't do that's it. Right. If you're driving, pull over then, or pause the podcast. Yeah. And you can jump yeah. in later. That's an excellent suggestion. So uh, now we could do it with music or without, um, or, or even with a spiral. I mean, I could find a spiral that might be interesting for you. Like, sure, um, yeah, let's do that. Okay, just give me a second. Um, I just got to locate it. Uh, all right. Yeah, you had a big spiral on your movie for the whole audience to watch. Yeah. That one time he was, he was doing Yeah, that. I was watching that earlier today. Yeah, I was cracking up. Yeah, I, I just, it's just, you know, it's just like, People, they're dropping like flies, I, and I can't believe this. Yeah. I can't believe the scientists. There's some of them that still say this isn't isn't uh, really happening or it's not possible. 
Very I can give you an, an interesting story too, uh, to give you a feeling of why, like hypnosis is a weird thing because I would say in most things in the world, the scientists are the, have, have it covered, you know, that they're the ones who know how things work, right? But with hypnosis, it's different. I'll tell you a weird reason why. So you can go to conferences where there are like all kinds of, um, you know, special, you know, medical hypnotists. They are boring. They are terrible at hypnotizing people. And they do, it takes them an hour to hypnotize something. The person does not go deep. Stage hypnotist in Las Vegas is way better. Why? Because a stage hypnotist has got to get his audience into trance or he's got no show. So he really understands the science of how to get people into trance quickly. The scientist is too scared. So because of that, the best, the people who really understand, who see hypnotic phenomena the most, who understand it, are the stage hypnotists, which is a very peculiar aspect because generally you would say like, you know, in aviation, you'd say probably aviation engineers like really understand how aviation works or something like that. But in hypnosis, it's the stage hypnotists that understand hypnosis. Very interesting. Well, it's like that in construction. I know anyway, you, you know, it never works like the book does. Or it, a little yeah. bit it does, but you're always going to want a couple people around that have been installing stuff for a while. Exactly. Yes, because they because the reality is different from the theory. Just, and that's exactly what it is. Yeah. And then the theory, you can't, um, yeah, it's a very action-based business. So I, I've just sent you um, a link uh, on the chat in. in uh, yeah, he's found it. He's it, clicking on it now. Yeah. Okay. So I would recommend sharing this with your audience if you like. It's a, it's a great um, spiral. It's a particularly good spiral. And the music is hypnotic. And we can use it to do our test. Okay, now you're going to make sure we're out of this, like, and you can't, like, just <laughs> you can't come in one day and say something and put us in a weird trance or something in the middle of a show. Or okay, whatever. so okay, this is a classic question a lot of people have, like, yeah, yeah, can hypnotists do bad things to you? Yeah, and after like a year yeah. later. <laughs> okay, yeah. so you've got like ten thousand people in your in your pocket. I just gotta yeah. get so this. the answer is weirdly yes and no, but mostly no. I'll tell you why. So a common fear is, can a hypnotist hypnotize you to forget something? Yes. While you're in trance, it is very easy for a hypnotist to actually cause you to forget even your own name and maybe even to speak how to speak English. I do it all the time. Just I demonstrate people, people cannot speak English, and they can't. Now, what will happen, though, is once they wake up, it all comes back. So let's say like a hypnotist hypnotized you and took your wallet okay, and said, and said, now you will forget that I ever took your wallet and you yeah. will never remember. Okay. This is what would happen for about an hour or two. You might go, where's my wallet? And I don't know what happened to my wallet, but then after about two hours, because it's basically hypnosis is like a, a nap or a sleep. When you come out of it, You'd be like, holy fuck, that asshole hypnotist stole my wallet. <laughs> I remember. And <laughs> so you get, so if you did that to people, you'd get caught. And good hypnotists know that. Once in a while, people try it. There's like a bunch of examples in, in uh, Italy, I think, where a, a hypnotist hypnotized cashiers 
to just put money in a bag. <laughs> like he would just show up at the cash and say, he would put them into trance and then he'd go, put the money in the bag. <laughs> and they would, <laughs> and they, would, they would reach into the till and they would put the money in the bag. Now, the problem is, again, is the percent, what I said at the beginning, more or less two thirds of people are not susceptible in that situation. So yeah, like Nancy does it, but Sally suddenly goes, wait a minute. What do you mean? Put the money in the bag. <laughs> yeah. And, and so your Jedi so mind got, tricks don't work on me. That's right. And that, and now you're busted. And then that guy got caught. So yes, in a, in a small timeline, you can do crazy shit using trends. Right. But most people who, by definition, most people who are good hypnotists who understand this enough wouldn't do that stuff because yeah. they're like, it wouldn't pay. Yeah. It would never pay. Yeah. But okay. there's a great video I would recommend to your audience, which is that there's a, a friend of mine, Spidey, who's a well-known hypnotist, demonstrates that he could get out of a, a traffic ticket using hypnosis. <laughs> he, he drives through a stop sign deliberately in front of the cops. Cops pull him over. I can even explain the induction they did on it. There's a specific induction, a well-known induction on the cop where he basically says, he says, he snaps his finger, shocks him, and says, have you ever been somewhere and forgotten why you're there? And what you're doing is you're making the suggestion to the confused person. So the person goes, am, am I somewhere and I've forgotten why I'm there? And literally, that's what happens to the cop. And he says, oh, well, I guess I can just go then. And the, guy, <laughs> the cop goes, yes, you can just go. <laughs> and then he just, <laughs> okay, so I got the video queued up. Do we need to be able to see you and the video? Uh, yes, just at the beginning. Okay. That's yeah. Doable. And then I got the video in the chats so the audience can start queuing it up. So the video's in the what? The YouTube chats? Like you put it in yeah, the YouTube right chats? Now, okay. I'll have it in the show notes. I'll have it in the show notes. Okay. I don't have it yet, but anyways, yeah, I'll get it. Yeah. Okay. All right. So maybe while we're setting up, I'll just make some suggestions to the, to the audience. Uh -huh. Just that, um, yeah, usually just make sessions like, you know, no matter, you're, you're always going to remain safe. Uh, one thing to be careful, careful of is that you're sitting in an appropriate chair because some people will slump in their chairs. And if you're on like a concrete floor or if you're in a place where you could fall over, then it's better that you sit, you know, comfortably. Yeah. It's, that, that's my suggestion. Okay. And the other thing is not to worry about waking up. Like I said, even if we put you into trance and we said for the rest of your life, you're going to be in trance, you would wake up in about 90 minutes. Generally. Okay. Okay. So can we not do that either though? <laughs> <laughs> not going to trance forever. Said, I ideally. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Where okay. was, oh, oh yeah. We'll see this, this may or may not get us, uh, banned from YouTube. Not banned. They might just shut the stream down. Right. We might, we might get a slap on the wrist. We'll see what happens. It doesn't have a lot of views. I doubt it's copyrighted. We'll see what happens. Sometimes when you play a YouTube video in a YouTube video, it's, it's, uh, uh I made, I wrote the music. The music oh, is nice. mine. Oh. The spiral isn't mine, but okay. uh, uh, I think it's okay. Yeah. Okay. That's true. So YouTube won't be able to see the spiral. Okay. Nomad yeah. says he's already hypnotized. I know. I feel <laughs> sleepy myself already. You're always sleepy. Wait, you know, it's funny that he said that because one is, there's a law in hypnosis. Everything that assumes trance creates trance. So if you already are hypnotized, you already are hypnotized. That's kind of how it works. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, hitting play. Okay, so what we're going to do is just test your hypnotizability. And testing your hypnotizability does involve sort of seeing if you can go into trance. 
And the best way to do this is that trance is just a form of extreme relaxation. And what a good hypnotist is doing is providing you with the techniques that produce a more dramatic relaxation than what might normally be, let's say, permitted. So what you want to do is make sure you're sitting comfortably in your chair because your body wants to be comfortable when you're doing this. And then you're going to take a deep breath. But when you take the deep breath, starting in three seconds, breathe straight towards the ceiling. Three, two, one, breathe deep. And when the breath gets to the top, just let it drop. Just let it drop in a relaxed way. Very good. And now, take a second deep breath in. Deep, deep breath. Was I supposed to hit again, play already? Oh, yeah, you can play the video. Okay. And while, you're, while we're playing the video, just follow and look deep into the spiral. There's a spiral playing, and as you look into it, just imagine that you can just relax just a little bit more. So now take a third breath in, third deep breath in. Hold your breath for one, two, three, four, And breathe out anything you're worried about or anything you're stressing about, just breathe that out. And continue to breathe in relaxation, breathing out stress, while you look into the center of the spiral. Now, in this relaxed state, I'm going to suggest to you that you can breathe relaxation into particular parts of your body. So start with your forehead. Breathe relaxation into your forehead, just like you're inhaling relaxation. Now, breathe relaxation into the muscles in and around your eyes. Let your eyes relax. Let your tongue drop in your mouth. Let your shoulders relax. Let your elbows relax. Let your hands relax. Let your chest relax. And when your chest relaxes, you can breathe that much deeper as you breathe in fresh, cool air, and you breathe out any kind of stress or worry. Breathing in relaxation, breathing out stress. Now, in this very relaxed state, we're gonna do the first test. So the first test, and I guess you're gonna to have to maybe see me, or you guys can see me, or I can, I'll describe it for the people that are just listening. You got to put your hands up as if you're going to clap. So you're putting your hands up just like you're going to applaud. And what you're doing is going to slowly, slowly bring your fingers and your hands together as if you're praying. Sort of looks like you're praying. And when they touch, you're now going to put all your fingers over except for your pointing fingers so that your pointing fingers are sticking up. So your hands are wrapped around each other. But you're, you, get, you guys will get it right, but your pointing fingers are sticking up. Good. Tighten your hands a bit. Good. Now, look at the space between your fingers. And as you relax, you're going to notice something interesting. It's almost like there's a force pushing your fingers towards each other all by themselves. All by themselves, your fingers start to move closer and closer as you relax. As you relax, your fingers all by themselves move. 
and eventually they will come to touch. As you relax more, your fingers get closer and closer. And when they touch, you can just drop your hands on your lap. When they touch, you can relax. Good. Beautiful. First test. Now, for the people that are listening who may have found that part hard to follow, the second part is really easy. It should work. So now in this very relaxed state, I'm going to suggest to you that we're going to blink three times. And what's interesting is just closing your eyes. When you close your eyes, you can actually relax just by closing your eyes. So when I mean blink, I mean just close your eyes. We'll do it three times and count the first time. Three, two, one, close your eyes. Hold your eyes closed for one, two, three. Now reopen them. Now do it one more time. Three, two, one, close your eyes. Reopen them. Now last time, I'd like you to feel your eyes getting heavier. If you don't mind, imagine your eyelids getting heavier, heavier, and just allow them to close in three, two, one, now. Your eyes close tight. And what's interesting is that your eyes feel heavier and heavier, and as they close tight, it almost feels like they are locked shut. And what's interesting is your eyes are closed so tight that even if you were to try to open your eyes, your eyes stay shut. Your eyes are locking down tighter and tighter and relaxing you more and more. And even if you were to try to open your eyes, your eyes would stay shut. In fact, the more you try, the more they stay shut. The more you try, the more they stay shut. In fact, you can try to open your eyes. You can try to open your eyes now. The more you try, the more they stay shut. If you cannot open your eyes, in the count of three, two, one, you will be able to open your eyes in three, two, one, now. There you go. So, I, of course, we can't see the people in the audience, but those are two very interesting, interesting tests. So, could you open your eyes? No, I had a hard time. Yeah, there you go. Respond well to hypnosis. Yeah, I definitely felt them. Felt them uh... I was able to open my eyes, but it was more of a struggle than I expected. Like there it took go. me like three or four yeah, chances yeah, yeah. and I had to really pry them open. Yeah. And I had yeah. to like turn the volume down on the video halfway through because it was kind oh. of starting to come over top of your voice. So I had to like okay. break out of the trance for a second. Yeah. Graham was in the whole time yeah. and I still had trouble opening it. Everyone in the chats is saying, holy moly. Wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah, that's a crazy one. Eh? That, so that what that is, 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 you, what you experienced is, is, is your conscious and your unconscious at the same time. So you were like, I, I, I can open my eyes, but I also can open my eyes. Yeah. And that's the two sides of you right there. And sometimes, sometimes when people are hypnotized and they're doing like crazy stuff, like they're chickens or that kind of thing, they'll say, I knew, I knew what was happening the whole time. But you're like, but you were like a chicken. How did you know that? And that's just weird. The unconscious mind goes off on its own. That's what um, was weird about it. I was, I was, cause I, for a second there I was lost and I was like, Oh yeah, you, you're already asking me to open them. And I, and then I was like, okay, I'll try to open them a little bit. So you're aware of what's going on. But then I was like, Oh, actually they're not opening. Maybe they are stuck. <laughs> yeah. And then I was, so I'm knowing it's happening at the same time. Which was kind of weird because when I watched your your show, there was yeah. That's what I noticed with some of the people that are hypnotized. It was like they were still somewhat aware, but they were doing all these crazy things. Yeah, like like the, like one of the reasons why that 
uh, I, I should, this is a TEDx video, uh, TEDx I did called, um, <clears throat> is hypnosis fake? And a lot of people, I still get like thousands, well, not thousands, but like enormous numbers of emails from people or messages to people who are like, you know, it's fake. We know it's fake. <laughs> and I'm like, as you know, it's not fake. And it's just funny that people are so sure of themselves. People are like, they're so crazy sure. And um, so, so one of the things that people are as controversial is that there's a woman who I hypnotize to do Kung Fu. It's a pretty standard thing. I can give me a hundred people. I can hypnotize like 20 of them to be Kung Fu masters. And they will look kind of, they will look impressive. Now, what happens is the woman who's the Kung Fu master is half entranced. She's halfway in and she suddenly like stands up and is starting to do Kung Fu, but she, it's like she's looking at her own body and it's like waving around doing stuff and she starts laughing. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of people watch this, they're like, look, she's an actress. <laughs> she, you know, she's fake. And, but when you understand hypnotic phenomena, you know what that is. You know that the person that's sort of halfway between both states. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense now that I've been through it. Yeah, I, I'm going to be interested to try that um, when I'm like, I'd like to try that when I'm at home and not in the studio with a bunch of screens in front of me. It'd definitely be interesting. To, is there a video someplace where that kind of has that sort of with spiral you, with you the doing thing, the, yeah. with the spiral and the talking? I think there's a bunch of like, I don't do it, but there's a bunch of hypnotists online who say like, test your hypnotizability, like that, that, that are, um, that's what they do. They, they, they offer to test your hypnotizability and then you, you know, and then you decide if you want to work with them or something like that. So that is, um, there are a bunch of tests online. I showed you like two and there's probably about, I would say, I don't know, like, uh, I know of about 12, you know, there's 12 or more different tests that, that are different ways of finding out. And, and like I said, is that, um, some people might really respond. Like some people, probably went in deep but you, what's interesting is it's very sensible like i i don't think anybody's written to you and like you know i i fell down and i woke up on the ground or i or i broke my teeth that doesn't happen because the unconscious mind looks after you it only lets that's why we tell people to get comfortable because if you're uncomfortable you're only going to go so deep that makes sense yeah so what is what's with this thing where you, uh, you know, we put our fingers together. And before you even said it, I, I was like, why are my fingers moving together? Because, and, uh, because and you said they're moving together. And why, why? Because it's like a delicate balance. It's sort of like a delicate balance. And um, I was going to say that, that um, it doesn't take a lot. It's just the suggestion that your fingers are magnetized. That will do that. I'll show you another one that's like kind of fun to do too. So you t what you do this way is you push your push your arms out like this. Um, if you don't mind, like push them all the way out, but put and bring them a little bit closer together. Okay. So now push them out good and hard, good and hard, so they get really solid, good and solid. Okay. Now um, I'm gonna like you to imagine. I'm just gonna ask you to close your eyes, close your eyes now, and just relax. Good. And as you relax, I'd like you to imagine that there is a magnetic ball between your hands. And on your hands, you're wearing metallic gloves. And you can feel the metallic ball pulling your hands towards the center 
all by themselves. And as you relax, you can, you can feel that pull becomes stronger, stronger. And your hands naturally start to get closer and closer, closer and closer, closer and closer as you relax. And eventually, hands will just come together. Now, I'm going to stop you there because I'll tell you, I'm going to reveal an amazing induction. So what a stage hypnotist does at this point is he, he will actually go up to the person, say to them, open your eyes, and then clap their hands together gently. You don't do too hard. And then say the word sleep. In most cases, a third of the population, if you do that, drops into deep trance. Why? Because they thought there was going to be a magnetic ball between their hands. That's what you told them. Like they were seeing it. And then you clap the hands together and they're like, what happened to the ball? But they're like, where am I? And then you say sleep and they're like, okay, okay, I'll just go to sleep. Wow, that's crazy. Do you know what it is about the third that's different? Is there something in their physiology or something in their neurology? I'm thinking of making a documentary about this. I actually think it's a positive thing. It's sometimes portrayed negatively because it's associated with gullibility. Yeah. But, but I don't think, but, but there is research on this, and there's no indication that people that are more prone to hypnosis are more gullible, less gullible, more intelligent, less intelligent. They, the correlation, the one research correlation is that they tend to have a stronger visual imagination. But people that are more hypnotizable, like experience the world more in pictures, which makes sense, or in, or in sound. So they're just more and less in words. So those people tend to be more hypnotizable, but, but it's all kinds. Like for example, athletes, athletes are disproportionately hypnotizable. I'm not sure why artists are more, are hypnotizable. People who smoke pot are more hypnotizable because I think pot itself is hypnotic. Like one of the, if you want to understand hypnosis, hypnosis allows you to kind of go deep into things. Like you look at a coffee cup, and you, and you go into trance, and then like, you understand the coffee, coffee cup. That's just like smoking pot. When you smoke pot, you're like, you look at a cheeseburger, and you smoke pot, you're like, whoa, cheeseburger. Like You go into it. So it's a similar principle. So, th- so people have visual imaginations, people that are athletes, and people that smoke pot tend to be more hypnotizable. Awesome. Well, you're an athlete, and I smoke pot. There you go. There you go. And we're both easily hypnotizable. <laughs> I mean, I felt really relaxed. Like that was one thing I was able to relax, and even from the beginning. So yeah. I think that probably helps. Like just meditating and just being quiet and trying to relax Sweet. on a regular basis. Derek's gonna be doing that all the time now. So one thing I do want to talk about before we end up running out of time is uh, is the my favorite part of the movie was you and Doctor Epstein staring at each other. And that, yeah. that I love you exercise, and you did that so yeah. well. I was just laughing because yeah. <laughs> it keeps going to both ends. You're just staring at each other's eyes. Yeah. Oh my god! So we should probably touch on on that part and 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 the meaning of of that. Like that's pretty important to me. That uh... yeah. So okay. So so this is a from another a documentary called "You Are What You Act," and um, and I should explain that in the film, like like you guys, I think like like I'm really interested in hack. And I think that hacks allow you to get more out of life and get deeper into things. And so uh, this guy Epstein is a guy who claims to have hacked love. And it's interesting how he figured it out. And I think he's correct. I think that 
you can't, okay, first of all, you can't totally hack love because I know a bunch of people are thinking, oh, show me the hack for love and I'll do it on Louise in accounting, you know? <laughs> it's kind of got to be mutual still in a way. Yeah, there's still a bunch of rules that apply and you can't be in a way. an idiot. <laughs> yeah, there are a bunch of rules that apply. But, but you can hack love in the following way. So, so Epstein, what he did is he studied arranged marriages. And at first, you know, anybody who hears arranged marriage, they're like, whoa, that's, you know, I would never do that. That's terrible. But what, if you look at arranged marriages, you find out, so this is usually in places like India, or, uh, Africa. If you look at arranged marriages, a certain percentage of them are very happy. They love each other. They will describe themselves lifelong happy, right? Which is not something you hear that much about conventional Western marriages. So he studied it and he found out, well, what's going on? One of the things that's going on is that people in arranged marriages didn't get to choose who they're in love with. And then they realized, I got to do something. I got to work on this to make it work because I don't want to be in a life forever where I don't love the person I'm with. So they, they practice love. They do more loving things. They do it either consciously or unconsciously. And so Epstein tried to break down the behaviors that are part of acting in love. And when he did that, uh, he, he, made up, he made 40 exercises. So when I went in the film, we did some of the key ones. So one of them is eye gazing. So <laughs> eye gazing, I really recommend. Um, it's basically where, so you can try this right now. If you're listening to this and you're with your boyfriend, girlfriend, lover, I mean, you can even do it with your dog. I'm serious. You, you can eye gaze with, with your dog. You guys can eye gaze. Yeah, just do it now. Just look at me now. Okay. Does it. Yeah. I spent no, no. enough time eye gazing. No, no, gazing I gaze and then, and then we're going to follow those instructions. Just let's try it. It'll mess well. up the dynamic of the show. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I stand by eye gazing 110%. With, okay, well, uh, yeah. that's not all of it, though. There's more. No, I there. know, but I'm just saying I agree. I don't need to eye gaze with you to get the full effect. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, for the people that are listening, because there might be people that are wondering, hey, how do you eye gaze? I can give you a really simple technique. So all you got to do is sit and do something in a relaxed place with somebody you, you like, and you look at each other, right eye, start right eye to right eye, and then just relax and breathe and play relaxing music, right eye to right eye. Then you can switch left eye to left eye. The reason I say that when people eye gaze, they always mess it up because they go, what eye do I look at? They always go like, so you tell them, okay, right eye to right eye first, then switch. Anyways, the people that, that, so people that do this exercise report feeling more in love or like they want to punch the person in the face. You might get that once in a while too. But um, then the other exercise he developed is called the I love you game. So the reason he developed this is he said there's a big taboo around saying I love you to people in our culture. So there's lots of people listening right now, and they're like, I think my boyfriend loves me, my girlfriend loves me, but why, don't, why won't she say it? And people spend like their whole lives like not saying I love you. So his idea is just get it over with. If you care about people, say I love you. And it turns out that so his exercise is you got to say I love you to another person. The only rule is you got to say it differently each time. And isn't so, it while eye-gazing too, though? If you do it while eye gazing, then you're you're doubling down on love stuff. Yeah, you know you can do them separately, but yes, you're making eye contact. 
And then he's got a bunch of other ones, trust fall, going through risk together. So this is like the classic date. Like you're, you're on a date, you're looking at each other. There's a thunderstorm, you're outside. You get caught in the rain, you run in the rain. Okay, then you get into a warm coffee shop. You've gone through risk together. Now you like get each other settled in a cafe. You look, now you look each other in the eyes. If you linger on each other's eyes, you're more likely to feel these kind of bonding emotions. Now you've got to check that the other person wants it too, because if you just start staring at people, it is creepy. You got to check. <laughs> so now let me tell you the weird part of this. This is the crazy part. I want it to give your listeners chills because it is weird. So if you look at his theory, he's like, Epstein then explains, and this is in You Are What You Act, that if you do these behaviors with people, you're going to be prone to falling in love even when you don't want to. And I was like, well, isn't that what actors are doing? Actors in movies, they actually face each other a lot by definition because of the way cameras work. So they are eye gazing. They're often in every script, if you're if it's half scripts, people are falling in love. So you're saying, I love you. Plus you're going through risk together. Like you're doing that stunt or you're running away from the explosion or whatever it is, or some, or you're just, you know, trying to remember your lines. Those are all the ingredients that cause people to fall in love. And so his theory is the reason why Brad Pitt or movie stars are always getting, you know, falling in love, getting married and breaking up. Isn't because, they're superficial and they don't know what they want. It's more likely because they're acting out these behaviors in every movie. And then they're like, wow, like, and we're, we're wired to enjoy new love. So you're like, I do love Jennifer Aniston, but I also like Angelina Jolie, you know, let's just be the way it would work. So, so, um, so yeah, so, so, in the movie, we think the theory is that 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 explains Hollywood. You know, all the weirdness of Hollywood love affairs. I remember, wasn't there a study? If I was actually just searching for it. I can't seem to find the, the one I was looking for. But my wife and I did it when we were on a road trip a little while ago. And it was like these 36 questions to fall in love yeah. or something like that. And I had got it from uh, an article. And it had gone that this 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 scientist, I can't remember his name, but he had done these studies back in the 70s or 80s or something like that where he did all these couples and eye gazing was part of it at the end. You did so long of eye gazing and there was, you know, 36 questions that they asked. And it was something like 25% of the fucking people in his study got married. Yeah, not surprised. Yeah, that's like, because we're, we're psychological beings and if you, if you do the psychological behavior, you often get the result. Now. What he always explains is that it does require that you be compatible or copacetic, meaning like Epstein says, there's probably 300,000 people out there that you can fall in love with, which is a lot. But it also means that you can't fall in love with everybody. If you guys, if you guys don't have natural chemistry, if you don't have some common values, you know, you don't get along. It doesn't matter how many love hacks you do. Like you actually might temporarily fall in love and then quickly start to hate each other or something. Yeah. But um, yeah, you know, and, and, and you know what makes is revealing about this and like the way, like, cause you might ask like, how do they know what they know? How can they be so sure about some of these things? Well, there's a really easy way to figure some of this out. Take people who everyone agrees are totally in love. We all know couples where they're like, 
crazy in love with each other, or they're going through that phase, or we've all gone through that phase ourselves where you're crazy in love. If you, they take, they isolate couples like that. So they get like 10 couples, they're all crazy in love. And then they study them and they find out they do specific things. So they look into each other other's eyes a lot. That's part of it. And they, they don't even notice they're doing it. They tend to sit in each other's eyes more. They say affectionate things more. They kind of think their partner is capable of magic and weird things. They're just more, there's a, there's a bunch of behaviors that go with people being in love. And um, so they can, now what they're trying to figure out how to do is, how do you reverse engineer that? And you can reverse engineer it from the things you see and you are what you act, which by the way is going to be on the documentary channel, CBC documentary channel, April 23rd. Nice. Or you, awesome. can, you, can, or you can get it on iTunes too. You can get it on iTunes. Actually, I, I got it on, uh, I don't know where I, I watched it on CBC, I think. I think somehow I got access to it. Oh, yeah. The, I think in April it might be, uh, if I remember correctly, that they're going to, it might be free in parts of Canada. Yeah. Which is yeah, great. Yeah. I just did the yeah. little, Pirated. I had the, I hacked into my little uh, shot. You know what you. I did? Record. It's got the voice active. I just said, you are what you act. And then boom, came on. Really? Holy yeah. shit. Yeah. Oh, you hypnotized your DVR. My, my, yeah, my cable. <laughs> uh, we got some rumblings in the chat of some rumors that Irish people are not hypnotizable. <laughs> Any rumors to that? Any uh, truth to that? I would guess to the contrary. Uh, but, but it is true that some people are more, like, like um, Indian people are more hypnotizable. But uh, like when I, was, I, I worked in India, uh, I, I think African people are more hypnotizable. But um, I like, uh, yeah. You can't make that generalization about a culture. Like, meaning, with like, there would be no hypnotists in Ireland if it was true that they're not very hypnotizable. But I, I, my experience has been above average Irish. Really? Totally I was, I was oh, wondering yeah. if it was all that like harsh Catholicism. You know what I mean? Like, I wonder if could be the booze. Like, too. you know, I could see pe- Jesus Christ, Graham. You can't say that. Now you've you've made it, it. You can only say good things, or it's racist. You made it. Okay, racist. What were you going to say about Catholicism? Well, I was going to say like it makes sense that Indian people might be because their sort of worldview or their their outlook on life has a lot of room for that, and you know the exactly. soul and the body being different. So it's it could be a cultural yeah. thing. Yeah, like and and they're more comfortable with the idea of like relax, go into trance because that cause it's, meditating it a, and yoga. Yeah, and, you know. Yeah, but here's the thing, you know, Catholicism is a great example. Um, because one of the things that you under, that is hard to understand about hypnosis and worth understanding is that it's going on all the time. So one of the things that's weird is we sort of will see, we, if you went to a hypnosis show, you'd go, whoa, that's weird, crazy stuff. I've never seen anything like that. But actually, if you go to church or if you go to yoga, you actually see hypnotic phenomena. So let me explain. One of the rules to hypnotize people is to create eye fixation. So, so eye fixation is when they say, look at that spot on the wall or look at that icon. So when you go to church, they've got like the crucifix right in the middle. Then they've got the incense going slowly back and forth, back and forth. Just basically, and then they talk in a monotonous way. It's basically, and the people are just staring ahead. <laughs> That's trance behavior. Now. And then they sit there for a while, and then, then they wake up. Now, 
It's even more obvious in yoga, where some of the, I go to yoga and some yoga classes, I'm listening, I've told the teacher this, I'm like, everything you said is exactly the same as a hypnotic induction. Now, so you would go, okay, you mean that people doing yoga are hypnotized? I'm like, well, look, they're doing exactly what the teacher is telling them to do. To the inch, they are, they're not complaining, they're not making any sound, they're deeply relaxed, they're, um, they're looking inward. People often in yoga are hypnotized. But if you ask them afterwards, you say, uh, weren't you, how was your yoga trance hypnosis class? They'd be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> They'd be like, they'd be, I was in full control the whole time. Just like the people in hypnosis who were like the chickens. They're like, yeah, I knew I was being a chicken. They're like, yeah, I knew I was doing lotus position. Like nobody was like, but you were doing it exactly when they told you, exactly as they told you. And, and you are exhibiting trance behavior. The people's eyes might be flickering. They're breathing in a trance-like way. And so we are just not trained to understand trances so we don't normally see them but like I, when i go to yoga i'm like when i if i went to church i would see people in trance the church would disagree they if i said to them you know half your congregation is in trance they'd be like what <laughs> call the police yeah, exactly <laughs> what about um, what about like we have a question in the chats about interrogation techniques. So I'm just, I'm wondering if even if people are aware they're being a chicken, then does it even, is it, it's not even really like a truth serum then, is it? Or are they that, are they in there? Does it work okay. like that? That's a good, yeah, good, good questions. Uh, it's, it has to do with depth of trance. So like, for example, there's a point where a guy's a chicken, let's say, but he kind of knows he's hypnotized and he's like, he like knows it's like he's dancing around like a chicken, but he's still Bob, right? If you go deeper than that, so this is like a deeper trance, the guy is just a chicken. He doesn't even remember being Bob at all. And so one of the reasons, yes, truth serum. So, so for example, there's a, there's a field of hypnosis called, called um, accelerated learning, where you can make people learn things faster uh, in trance. And... But the explanation is weird. People think it's because like, it's unlocking the supermind, which is not. I think that's bullshit. What it's actually doing is hypnosis can remove inhibition for a very mechanical reason. Let me tell you what it is. The seat of inhibition is in this part of the brain. I'm pointing at my forehead. The, pr the prefrontal cortex is kind of right here, language inhibition. When you go into deep trance, you move back to the older brain, and this turn can, in deep trance, can turn right off. So that's one of the reasons why people do crazy stuff on hypnosis shows is their inhibition is much lower. They still have a little bit, but they're much less inhibited. So people get better at stuff when they lose their inhibitions sometimes. They can learn faster. They can move ahead faster. That's basically how it works. So in interrogation, yes, if a person was inhibited and you made them really relaxed and you put them in super deep trance and they went in, and then they're like, yeah, it's okay to talk about whatever I'm to talk about. They might very much like reveal truths about the situation. But I don't know if that's a reliable way to, to get evidence and it won't work. And, and, and here's the other thing. A lot of people are really worried about when people have extraordinary powers of hypnosis and a guy just walk up to me as they do in that movie. What's it called? Um, 
uh, now you see it. Now you see me. It's like a Hollywood movie, which has hypnotists like Woody Harrelson plays a hypnotist and he just walks up to people and he pulls on their wrists and they drop in the trance. I can do that. I can do that. But first of all, I wouldn't do it to somebody who I didn't have permission from. But if I just walked up to somebody who was walking down a hall towards me and I grabbed the wrist and went sleep, 98% of people will not because they'll be like, you, some fucking guy is grabbing me. <laughs> you know, like they'll, they they'll go wake up. fight or flight pretty quick. Yeah. That's right. So w- one thing you got to understand about hypnosis, like the people who got hypnotized during the show or are, are worried about it is it only happens because you agree to it. Meaning you consent to the exercises, you consent to try the breathing, you consent to go along with, you know, you look at the spiral, whatever. Because you consented and you, and you went with it, you allowed yourself to go deep. And then going that way, you can get very deep. You can get to chicken deep and deeper. But if you didn't want it to happen, if you were really like, I don't want to get hypnotized at all, you can just stop it. Almost there are very few exceptions. Like sometimes the most hypnotizable people cannot stop themselves from being hypnotized, but that's quite rare. Almost everybody can. So a couple things before we wrap up, if we have time. Yes, One, I, yeah. I remember some drugs going around oh, uh, yeah, right, right. South America for a while where they're talking about people going to the bank machine and falling into a trance-like state. Yeah. Do you remember anything? I can't remember what the drug was yeah. called or anything like that, but that's quite possible. But you see, but you see, what I'm saying is you don't even need a drug because a good hypnotist could do that on about 20% of the population temporarily without a drug. But but that is true that some drugs are hypnotic. Like I said, like um, uh, one th- they actually call some drugs hypnotics, and um, so yes, it doesn't. Strike me as impossible. I know what you're talking about. I think Vice had a story about yeah, the drug yeah, that's, that's exactly what people, it was. Yeah, you put people in the trance, but but like I said, a hypnotist can do the same thing unless the person knows what's going on. Like I can tell you, like you know, if you if you were worried that you were being hypnotized against your will, I'll tell you a few things. Don't let people touch your hands because your hands are the way that you can provide a short shock. Don't try to pay attention to more than three things at the same time. I'll give you an, an example of a classic induction where you could, where you could say to somebody, hey, just, just look at my eye. Okay, so they look at your eye. Now they're paying attention to one thing. They say, look at the black of my eye. They look at the black of your eye. And okay, then you say, look at the black and look at the blue part too. So look at both. So now you're paying attention to two things, right? Now I say, look at the black, look at the blue, and for a second, look at the white and all three at the same time. If you say to somebody, you lean forward and you go sleep, some people <laughs> drop straight into trance at that point. <laughs> and that's because of the, the don't pit. So if you hear somebody talking that way, the other thing that people do when they put you into trance is they slow you down. So they would start going, okay, relax, take it easy. If you just go, no, I'm not going to go with that. You're not going to get hypnotized. My reason for saying this is I think people people are nervous about it and they shouldn't be. Hypnosis is great. Like one of the things I do is I demonstrate you can create so many healthy altered states. I can create drug states. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because you're going to you're going to teach a course in the fall, right? About that. Yeah, yeah. I do think the hypnotic bar. And so let me tell you how it came about. I was working at a rehab, 
lots of drug addicts, uh, all kinds. And I got into a kind of a bit of a debate about, I was really curious about the blood-brain barrier. So the theory is that the, that the um, most drugs don't really make it through the blood-brain barrier. What they do is they, they affect the chemistry of the brain to produce the high by reducing the brain's ability to alter its chemistry in a certain way. So I was like, I believe, for example, that anything that's good that happens to you, like feeling pleasure, feeling high, feeling euphoria, is produced by your brain. It's not produced by the drug. The drug is a bunch of crap that somebody's you know, burned out of a plant. But your brain is what makes you feel this crazy, euphoric, wonderful feeling. So what I started doing, so I challenged these people in the rehab. I said, I bet using trance we can recreate any drug. And they, of course, they were like, no way, man. I spent the last 10 years of my life doing heroin, ruining my life. You're not telling me now that it's all in my mind. I'm like, it's all in your mind, the whole thing. So drug addicts tend to be very hypnotizable. I took about half of them, put them into deep trance. First, we did crystal meth, because that was easy. Crystal meth is very like hypnosis. They experience crystal meth, hallucinations, disassociation, everything. Then we did ecstasy. Ecstasy is an easy one to do. Uh, heroin, alcohol. And what I started doing was this thing called the hypnotic bar. But maybe fast forward a little bit. It gave me the idea that you could actually have a bar. So again, the way this works is not everybody can do it, but about a third of the population. They could walk into a bar, you put them into deep trance. In the trance, you tell them the water they're drinking is vodka. This is an old tr trick that hypnotists do. They, they, they hypnotize someone deeply, they give them a bottle of water, a glass of water, and they tell them it's gin. And the person will respond as if they're drinking gin. And they will get drunker. And so I took a bunch of people that did in Toronto who were totally sober, gave them shots of water. They were hypnotized, I think it was tequila. And they got drunker and drunker. And most of them could not pass sobriety tests. They could not walk a straight line. They kept cracking up. They fell down. And then in an instant, they, I could make them sober. Snap my fingers, they're totally sober. So a lot of people think that this is a crazy stunt that I do, Albert, that Albert does. But any good hypnotist can do this can take a group of people and show them altered states. Like I have a particular technique to do it, but, and I'm kind of like, I'm the first one suggesting that it's a generalized phenomena, that all drugs are in the mind anyways. Um, why not recreate them naturally without side effects? I wonder what that's like for addicts. Is that, is that healing or triggering at all? Is there any... Yeah, you, you're perceptive because... One of the problems was, of course, a lot of the addicts are, could you uh, hypnotize me to be on heroin yeah, again? Yeah, or could yeah. you hypnotize? Yeah, because, of course, it brought back the whole thing for some of them. And I, yeah. realized, I realized that a rehab would not be the best. Yeah. This happened. That's, a, that's where I noticed it. But I, I realized after that, probably doing this in the rehab is not a good idea. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, you, you don't want to, them to go into any of those states, really. Yeah. 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 But but I, but I, a lot of them benefited, I think, in sort of realizing that, like the miracle. A lot. Let's say you you're addicted to heroin or you're addicted to cocaine. You think 
cocaine is the most fantastic thing in the world, or you think heroin is the most amazing thing in the world. But think about it. Your body is the most amazing thing in the world. It's your body that made those feel, feel those, that made you feel those things. Yeah. It's your body that's amazing. And, and you just got to find a way. Just don't be lazy. What, what drugs are is a lazy way. Like you can, you can use a lazy technique to get yourself high, but you can, you can get yourself high naturally. Any, any, any athlete knows that. Yeah. You can, you know, the runner's high. It's a yeah. real high. Yeah. Awesome. Absolutely. That sounds great. So how do people figure, how do people take that course? So I'm starting a thing, just I'm, I'm a bit ahead of myself here, but um, yeah, yeah. If, you, if you subscribe to my YouTube channel, yeah. we're going to advertise it there. That's probably the easiest way. So there's a bunch of things. So one is the hypnotic bar. Yeah. The other thing is, uh, uh, is generally, I'm going to do a teaching hypnosis course. Yeah. Uh, and um, so my YouTube channel is just Albert Nuremberg, my name, which a lot, I have to spell it because most people can't spell it. It's Albert that everybody knows how to spell, but Nuremberg is N-E-R-E-N-B-E-R-G. It's all E's, N-E-R-E-N-B-E-R-G. So if you go to YouTube and just, um, there will be trailers for the courses over the next few months. Awesome. Did you say E-N or E-M? E-N, like Norman. Yeah. Son of a bitch. I spelled it wrong on the YouTube. I'll I'll correct it. I'm sorry, Albert. It's all right. Don't worry. It happened to me my whole life. So, okay. That makes me feel better. Wow. <laughs> that hour and a half fucking flew by. This has been fantastic. Yeah, yeah it's really been a great chat. Yeah, we'll Thanks have to do so this again sometime. Yeah, if you're ever in yeah, Calgary. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah might be. Yeah. We can get you in the well, studio. We'll hypnotize Graham. We'll get him on YouTube doing a bunch of crazy yeah. stuff. It'll yeah. be great. That's right. Next time, we'll do some crazy chicken stuff. Absolutely. I, <laughs> I can't wait to get into the chicken just stuff. Just don't get me high. We won't get you high. We'll just, can we get you pretend high? No. Hypnotized no, high? No. Does that yeah. break your sobriety if he hypnotizes you to think you did some shots? I relapsed on hypnotism. Oh, son of a bitch, that fucking Albert Nuremberg. Wow. wow. <laughs> All right, buddy. Thanks, Thanks, on, Albert. Okay. Thanks for coming. Have great a great night. Guys. Yeah. Okay, you too. Thank you. Okay. okay bye-bye. All right. And that was our chat with Albert Nirenberg, the hypnotist, the laughologist. I mean, we didn't even get into the laughology. What's the laughology? Have you seen those groups of people around doing the laughter, the laughter religions and stuff? They're laughing in the park and like it changes your whole, really, your whole thing. I mean, part of the guy in the, in the, in the movie, you are what you act. Are they telling um, jokes or the, anything? The laughing guy's in there and when he's talking to you, he keeps giggling and laughing and I mean, he's just laughing all the time and. You know, really changes your whole state. Yeah, we should start. He's a laughologist. I mean, but we didn't even have time to get into that. Maybe that's what we could do with the back bay there. We could suggest a laughology church. There you go. The church of laughology. Would you be the minister? You're not very funny. We should get you up on an open mic night. For what? To do what? On an open mic night. Fun. Just to chat? To say poems and stuff? Would you say a poem? No. What's an open mic for? To say anything? I'm not telling jokes on open mic. No, no. What if we got? What if we did like a thing where we could get you up on open the night night and live stream the whole thing? What would it take to get you up there? I, I wouldn't be up. No, no. No matter what, email Graham. Tell him why you should do an open mic night. Uh, that was great. I wouldn't even do karaoke. That's really one of my fears. Oh, I did have a fear. Alan, Adam, Adam was asking me questions. The thirteen questions. 
about the fears. I forgot about karaoke. Oh, I don't mind karaoke. Yeah. It used to be more of a drunk thing, but I've I've done it sober. Have you? Yeah. It's not so bad. I could do it now, no problem. I was thinking they need to develop an app for the the iPhone. Like when you're you're listening to your music in your iPhone app, it should have a karaoke button where you just push it and so you can sing along to the words. There you go. Someone just stole your million dollar idea. Why isn't something? It must have been developed already. But I looked at the karaoke. Yeah. yeah why? Why'd you it. look for it if you hate karaoke? So like, I practice so in the car. Do, so what are you practicing for if you're never going to do it? Because <laughs> I'm acting. Are you? Yeah. There you go. Actually, I do improve your singing in the car. I approve because eventually we'll get you singing. In. Yeah, you've heard me sing in the car. I can I can belt them out in the car sometimes. I guess. Yeah, it's okay. It's always like '80s hair band shit though. That's the problem. Anyway, big thanks to Albert for coming on the show. Check out his stuff. Uh, get hypnotized. Watch that movie and the and the TEDx is is amazing. That's right. Yeah. Do all that stuff. While you're playing around on the internet, head over to grimerica.ca slash support. And uh, so, grimerica.ca slash support. Support, support, support the show. Support the show. Because it's the best thing to do. Because. Uh, head, over right there. Yeah. head over to grimerica.ca slash support, guys. Sign up. Uh, it's great. You sign up for a monthly through PayPal, Stripe, Patreon. We got all these options. Honestly, it's it's that easy. You just grimer- type this into your shit. Grimerica.ca slash support. The, all the buttons are there. One-time donation, Stripe donation, Patreon, monthly PayPal. You pick the number. Yep, check out the show notes for all the other ways to help support. Yeah, there's a bunch of stuff in the show notes for non-monetarily ways to support the show. But, uh, yeah, it's time to sign up, guys. Enough's enough. Sign up for the show. Support the show. Uh, be kind to people. Eye gaze. Eye gaze with your loved ones. Uh, have a great week. Love y'all. Take it easy. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week.
Thank you. 